Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good afternoon all. Hope you had a good long weekend. I did. I did enjoy uh, the old little three-dayer. I hope you guys did too. Um, feel free to give us a yell and tell us what you got up to. Make us jealous. Um, and it was a pretty nice weather up here in Auckland. And I hope uh, looking at a few friends' Instagrams from across the weekend, it looked like it was pretty damn good uh, most of the country as well. If you're back at work, um, the great thing is, it's only three and a half days to go for you until we've got another weekend. What a weekend of sport it was. Um, so many highlights for New Zealand. Um, the cricket was fantastic. Um, the Kiwis, good enough. Lydia Ko, unbelievable. I was glued to my TV watching Lydia Ko. Just the poise and the professionalism. Um, I just loved it. And uh, back up to number three in the world. And she's knocking on the door of number two. I think almost so close that if she beats her in the next, which is the um, Tidakul from Thailand, is number two in the world at the moment. And I just think if Lydia beats her in the next one, she'll be up to number two. But very, very emotional on the last green with Lydia saying it was so special to win in her country of birth. She is a proud Kiwi. But she was born about two hours down the road from the golf course and I just, you could see how much it meant to her. Um, you could just see what it meant to her to do it in her country birth for her family, which was just brilliant. Um, and talking golf, we will be catching up with Greg Thorpe. He is the High Performance Director of New Zealand Golf about 
you know just how much how, how much good is being done with just the, the amazing performances around the globe by New Zealanders in every tour and it's like we've got one in every tour when you're thinking about Ryan Fox, Stephen Elker, Lydia Ko, uh, Dan Hillier's had a good season on the Challenger Tour, close to getting his full European card. Um, there's a number of players on the secondary tour through Australasia. Um, so he works it every day. So we'll have a talk to Greg Thorpe about um, the high performance department in golf and what they're seeing at the youth level as well, what's coming through. We're going to have a guest in studio uh, about 2 o'clock. Uh, just after two, Sam Dodd. Now, he's a Kiwi neuroscientist, and we're going to talk about heads and brains and concussions and things. He's also the um, consultant neuroscientist to this health drink called Arepa, which I actually didn't know that it would do much for me, but occasionally I'll have one in the afternoon, and you do feel like you just, I don't know, have a bit more clarity. So... He's jumped alongside that company um, to promote it. And so this isn't an advertorial, but he's he studied a number of things. He, he studied uh, like Alzheimer's and stroke and, and a lot in the concussion space as well. So very interested to see what he has to say about feeding your brain and um, something we could, oh, I'm sure we will all learn something about. We will also catch up with Julian Savia. Of course, the Wellington Lions picking up an unbelievably historic win, uh, a fantastic game, a fantastic defensive game, I thought, from Wellington. Just never took the foot off. Um, Canterbury threw everything at them. They were a big part of a very, very good final and a very good NPC season as well. So they got the win. They hold the Ramfurly Shield. So we'll catch up with Julian Savia, who was one of the senior statesmen of a pretty youthful Wellington Lions as well. Um, and then the oh, we're going across the ditch to Jimmy Smith, and we'll play the vault as well. Uh, we're into day two of this particular vault, so five questions today, hundred dollar TAB bonus bet up for grabs for that. We'll revisit Show Me the Money, and we'll catch up with Jimmy Smith across the ditch as well. Whoo, big jobs, big jobs in the afternoon, midday madness though, midday madness. We're involved in three World Cups at the moment. Cricket, fantastic in the weekend. Women's Rugby World Cup, again, another great game. And the Rugby League World Cup, just win, win, win. I want you to ring up and rank them in order of your preference. Which one do you want to win the most of those three? The T20 Cricket World Cup, the Black Ferns winning the Rugby World Cup, or the Kiwis winning the Rugby League World Cup. So ring up on 0800 150 811 and rank them. One, two, three. And then we will. I will add up all... All of the rankings, again, we're all about, um, what do you call it, fairness. It's nothing to do with me, nothing to do with Sammy, nothing to do with Captain K. And the team with the lowest score will be the most preferred by the afternoon's listenership in the first hour. So one, two and three. First one you want to win, second one you want to win, and the third one. Cricket, T20 World Cup, Women's Rugby World Cup, or the Rugby League World Cup. Which is your order of preference? 0800-150-811. Can't wait to hear your rankings. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah. 
Alrighty, 0800 150 Our phone box is awaiting your calls. Let's go straight to Dunedin and talk to Cliff. G'day, Cliff. G'day, Jesse. I'm not golfing at the moment, but uh, <laughs> had a fair bit of golf. Played a fair bit of golf this weekend, yes, three days in a row, which was great. Two different courses. Uh, but yeah, um, I'll just do those rankings. I'd like to win the, the one day uh, the 2020 World Cup, but I'll put the Kiwi League boys number one, the ladies rugby two, and 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 the cricket three. Even though, yeah, I love, I love my cricket. Uh, to me, the tw- the 2020 is is the lowest rank. I'd like to see us win the one day World Cup mm. more than the other one. But um, yeah, what, I wanted to have a bit of a chat about the golf. I mean, Lydia Lydia did really well. It was great that she won at home. Uh, good, solid field, and she she was just just solid as. Um, I followed the the men's. Rory McIlroy was amazing. Uh, just just the way he bombed those drives. I just love him. Mm. Love watching him hit the ball. He three hundred eighty five meters. He was he was putting them out three eighty five yards. Sorry, I won't give him a wee bit more of a credit. But um, <laughs> yeah, he just. He just he just opens up parts of the courses that others don't, you know. You watched old Deshambo trying to heave it over the water and that sort of thing, but he was just a blaster. You know, Rory McIlroy can move the ball right to left and left to right, and still hit him over three hundred yards. Um, but yeah, Steve Elker, he it was great. You know, I watched that yes, uh, the finish of it. It didn't. I couldn't find it until last night. Uh, on Sky, I couldn't find it earlier in the day. I wanted to watch it earlier, but I must have. There was so much golf on that the <laughs> seniors tour didn't seem to be the highlights till last night about ten nine thirty. I think they come on, uh, so I watched them win. I knew he'd won by that stage, but it was just great to see him grind it out against um, the Irishman. Um, oh, I just lost his name. Uh, <laughs> the Irish golfer, the older fella, uh, Podrick Harrington. Yeah, Podrick Harrington was was the and KJ Choi. You know, there was a there was a lot of top players. Ernie Els. There's a lot of players that won majors against him there. It was a big field, and he just ground grounded out, grounded out, and he did the business. You know, he, it was great to see. And an old Foxy. Mm. Well, Foxy started off with a couple of bad holes on his last round, but. If he hadn't have had, I think he started double bogey and then he had a bogey as well in the first nine. He could have been he could have been three or four shots ahead at, at, at the turn, but he ended up a couple behind and he just battled away behind them. But you know he's playing great golf and I'm looking forward to seeing him against Rory McIlroy and the young fellow Fitzpatrick playing in the final of the DP, DP World Tour because he'll, he'll be in the champs. He's ranked number two. So that's going to be a great finish for the end of the season to see see if Foxy can match those two, you know, in the last day. It'll be great to see him win that because I think that, that would put him up there with Bob Charles nearly and, and Michael Campbell winning that sort of tournament. Mm, yeah, it's, he's. It just brings you so much joy that there's most fields there's one Kiwi, and like on the European Tour, the LPGA and the Seniors Tour, they're right up the top almost weekly now. It's it's, it's so awesome. Yeah, and, and and a plug for the Wellington team winning the uh, 
the first division. I like to call it first division with the old NPC. They played well, had a good season, stuck at it, and uh, yeah, good to see Canterbury get beaten. <laughs> um, and, and look, there's, been, there's so much sport on this weekend. You know, I tried to, I played more than I probably watched, which is what should, most people should be trying to do play a little bit of sport and watch a little bit and listen to SENZ as well. Oh, there you go. One last thing, Cliff. What's the hidden gem of a golf course down your way? A hidden gem. Well, our wee course, our, I actually play in um, Palmerston at the Yardley course. Nice wee nine hole, and at the moment we're just putting irrigation on our green so that nobody has to go out and open the taps up. It's all automatic. <laughs> it's a great, great wee country course. Good bunch of people here. Palmerston's a great wee town. And uh, look, there's, there's loves, lovely wee courses around. Just played up at Ranfurly the other day, and that's a, that's a nice course. Great people in Ranfurly. They just they put on the best morning teas and grub at night uh, yeah they're everywhere there's lots of great we're, we're very lucky in New Zealand that there's there's golf courses everywhere we were talking about our three-part trip and we you know you can go just about anywhere where there's a pub and a, a, another section on a on a main road and there's a golf course somewhere around you mm. know that just people look after their golf courses you know a bit like bowling greens they've been dropping out because of of players and and the cost of keeping them going and in, in centres, but their golf courses are a bit well looked after by the locals. I'll say that for them. They country people look after their stuff. Yep, bang on, bang on, mate. Always yep. good to chat to you. Yep, have a good day, Steph. Good on you, buddy. There he goes. Cliff's gone. League first choice, women's rugby world cup. Second choice, T Twenty world cup. Third choice. Let's find out what Troy thinks. G'day, Troy. Good thanks, Troy. Um, yeah, I'm actually the same as, as uh, was it Cliff that I caught? Definitely for me, uh, the Kiwis, I'd love to see them win. Um, it's probably going to be against Australia, I'd imagine, if we were going to do it again. Um, you know, with the side, but you can't count the Aussies out uh, at any time. But uh, yeah, and then the uh, Mormons rugby second, um, and the T20 would be third for me. So, um, just on the T20, I mean, and sport, what an amazing weekend for sport. I need a matchsticks yesterday. Oh, no. Um, staying up, I, I stayed up and I, I started watching Pakistan, India, and the T20, what a game that was. Yeah. Unbelievable. That had, I mean, that last over, you know, bloody no balls, wides, run out on a free hit, um, all the contentious issues, but... What a game, what a crowd there, over 90,000 people in MCG, and that's, you know, for uh, two neutral sides. So all credit to the local um, people from, you know, the Pakistanis and Indians and the, and the locals that came out to watch. So, yeah, fantastic. Nice. Um, yeah, so looking forward to this coming weekend because it just keeps on rolling at this time of the year. And then we bring in the All Blacks and, um, yeah, what would you do without sport, mate? It'd be pretty boring. It'd it? be pretty boring. We'd have to grow veggies or something, mate, or mow lawns every weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Give yeah, us some sport. Yeah. No, thanks. What's second prize? Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Debbie. Cheers, Tony. Have a good day. Uh, let's have a chat to Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Um, look, I rate the, um, the Kiwis third because they've won it before uh, and that, and... Um, the the women's women's rugby second because uh, I'd like to see Smith. You know that England side. It's going to be really tough to win that, massively tough. 
you know, the Kiwis are probably they were favourites or first or second favourites, and, and they should be in the final. Where these girls, um, with with Smithy and and, and um, Ted Henry do, doing the, and the others helping them there, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, a lot lot harder. And and the first for me is the uh, 2020 World Cup because we've got to get that monkey off our back, Steph. You know, we we we've, we've beaten Australia now. That was a great win the other night. You know, if we can get go on with it and, and go to the final and win it. We've, then we've done virtually everything, you mm. know, and it's, it's it's really hard, you know. To and the other thing with golf, uh, Daniel Hillier, I think, is has got his tour card for the um, European Tour, and um, I, I follow uh, Ryan Fox, my brother, and I follow him all the time, and and he struggled a little bit in the last round. If, if he would just shot an even par, he, we would have won that. Yeah. But it was pretty tricky, and and um, he's been going absolutely fantastic. And same with Lydia Ko and Stephen Elka. I mean, they're, they're just fantastic uh, role models for New Zealand, mate. You know, I mean, they, they, they're so good and so humble, the whole lot of them, you know. And, and it's great to see, you know, we're, when we're on the world stage. Um, they're just they're so fan, fantastic. And, and it's, it's just going to be even better, you know. And Foxy will go really well in the, um, in the PGA because that's really he'll end up. He, you know, going over there, they're playing for, for $12 million a, a, um, a tournament staff. You know, it's uh, nothing to be, you know, nothing wrong with the, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with the DB tour, but, um, you know, there's a lot more money in the States in, in that um, PGA tour, without a doubt. Mm, yeah, there is. There is. Um, plays well in Europe. It might be, I don't know, if he gets a ticket to the PGA, it's probably going to be through a placing in one of the majors over there. Um, like he's really settled in Europe. He's making a good living. I think he quite likes it. Do you turn your back on that? And if you don't, do you say you play the what-ifs in your head for a long time? I should have had a crack. Um, yeah, a few decisions for him to come up with. Yeah, well, the thing too, being with it with him, like, that's where the, the go. You've, I've seen a, a couple of them. The guy McIntyre's played a few a few over there. Fleetwood was a little bit like Fox a few years ago. Um, he won a few tournaments in the, in the European. Then all of a sudden they go over there, same as um, Fitzpatrick. And they go over and play in these these tournaments, and he's ranked in the top the top um, fifty in the world now. So um, he'll get invites without a doubt, you know. And and as for the, um, the 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 Kiwi cricketers, I mean, that was that was absolutely fantastic the other night, mate. It was, that wasn't was brilliant it? Brilliant with the way we play, you know, the, the way we just come out and 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 just just took it to them, you know. And it, it's hard to beat Aussie at home. Don't worry, they'll they'll be hurting and they'll be hard to beat too. Don't worry. If they make the semis, they're going to be tough as well. But uh, that's me anyway, mate. You have a good day. You too, buddy. And, um, go, your good, go your good Manawatu. Up you go, Manawatu. <laughs> and good. just happy before I go. What, what do you think? What do you think of East Coast? Wasn't that brilliant? Just them winning the, the absolutely brilliant. Division. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Loved it. Watched it. Loved it. Wanted more. No worries, mate. You have a good day. Eh? Always yeah. appreciate you. you guys do a fantastic job. Good man, Joey. Always enjoy chatting to you too. We go to Up Hutt. Oh, Wellington Lions. Gary, here we go. G'day, Steph. <laughs> what a Saturday night, eh? Hey. What a Saturday night. I had the laptop down there and they had the TV on, so it's cricket on the laptop. 
rugby on the telly. Oh, God, it was awesome. And we thrashed them. I told you we'd smash them. Yes. Well, it was eight points. That's not a hiding, but it, yeah. you know, it's yeah, eight yeah, points. Yeah, come on. Hey, look, it was very close there. We nearly got that try, but then we you know, it was like a 14-point turnaround. I was looking pretty good for that sweepstake at one stage, I thought. But no, well, <laughs> I'll take the win. Yeah. Now, League, Women's Rugby World Cup or T20 World Cup? What's your order of ranking? Well, normally I'd go cricket because that's my main sport. But quite honestly, I'm going the women's, the women's rugby because I think that they were the one who you think was most unlikely to win. Mm. And it would be a hell of a turnaround from that tour last week, uh, last year where just it was a dog's breakfast, really. And, um, yeah, they've really turned around so much. So I think it's quite exciting what they're doing at the moment. So I'd have to go them first. I'll go the 2020 second and the league third for me. Yeah. But there's no reason we can't want them all. But if you could only have one. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll tell you what, with the cricket, I think there needs to be a a law change in that cricket. Any time the stumps are broken, it should be a dead ball. It's like what happened in that India-Pakistan game. Okay, he got bowled off off the three hits. But if you get bowled, you shouldn't be allowed to get a runoff. It just I agree. doesn't seem right. I agree. And it's when you have a run out as well. The fielding team gets penalised by them, you know, the ball ricocheting away for a four or another, an overthrow. You, you shouldn't be allowed to run off that. It just, just seems wrong. Mm, mm, yeah, because it's influenced by an outside agency. I think you'd refer to it in golfing terms. Um, okay. yeah. I don't know that one. <laughs> so there you go. Awesome, Gary. Uh, we'll carry on. Enjoy the rest of your week as uh, NPC champions. Uh, Auckland caller Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Good afternoon, Staffy. Hey, buddy. Um, O'Malley got the win over Peter Young the weekend. He did. Sterling bet Dilla Shaw and Makachev got the title against Oliveira, which killed my multi. Oh, no. Last leg was Makachev. Yeah, oh, was no. Oh, well. But yep. I did win on the. Um, I did have South Canterbury. I did have Nutty Pro East Coast. Both of them one to twelve, so I did win some money there. Um, before I get onto my rankings, how good were the Breakers? They didn't start well, but they finished. Yeah. They got five points in the first quarter, but some some way some way how they won against Ken's Taipans. They were sitting top of the table, sixty eight sixty four. I don't know how they won that game, but they got away with it. If the equal lowest ever first quarter. And the game of basketball in the NBL. I don't know how they got away with that. But, of course, number one's got to be the Black Caps. We started with a hiss and a roar, beating those Aussies. Um, next time you go and uh, talk to anyone from Aussie, just rub that in as much as you want. Um, <laughs> when you do your across the ditch next time, I will. You rub that into any Aussie talk. Um, Jeremy Paul, mate, got to rub that into him as well. But, yeah, just a great start. And what about Glenn Phillips? That Caps was insane. And Helen. Just hitting from ball one, 42 off 16. And, um, yeah, the Black Caps hammered them. Tim Salvi, three for six. So, yeah, we've got to go on and win this World Cup now. You can't get a better start than that. Um, number two is going to be the Kiwis. Um, it's going to be tricky because they do have to meet the Kangaroos. And then number three, the Black Ferns to win the Women's World Cup. All right, mate. All right, mate. Thank you for calling. We do have to take a break. Um, thanks, Aid. 0800 150 811. Give us a bell. Uh, Mark has just texted through saying, Staff, a great wee hidden gem of a golf course just past Waipara is Scargill. It's a nine-hole up, 15 bucks a round, and boy, is it good. Beautifully looked after by the locals. And I've just Googled that. It looks like an absolute treat. Tree-lined fairways. 
um, and 15 bucks for nine holes. Beautiful, sort of between Waipara and Cheviot um, on the east coast of the South Island. Um, who was it uh, talking about we needed a rule change in cricket that if it hits the stumps, it's a dead ball? I saw a tweet from Jimmy Neesham last night saying that all batsmen should have their measurement taken from their waist to the ground um, in their batting stance. And then when you get a full toss and they're trying to decide if it's a no ball or not, use Hawkeye. I like that. Hawkeye's there. It'll tell you exactly where it's hit them. And just the little measures, the VAR in cricket, because there's been a lot of should that have been a no ball or not above the waist in your batting stance. Jimmy Neesham, forward thinker. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. When we come back, we are ranking League World Cup, Women's Rugby World Cup, T20 World Cup. We're ranking them your most preferred, second preferred and third preferred. I'll give you the update of the results so far, but do give us a call. Get your votes in 0800 150 811. But for now, it's new sport and weather. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto, um, straight back to the phones. International caller, man of not so much mystery anymore, Darren out of Melbourne. G'day, Darren. Hey, Steffi, how are you? Good, mate. Is it raining again over there? I hear you're getting more warnings oh, for more rain. We just had 20 mil overnight. I've, I've just I've just been to a town doing some mould work for a building that had a metre and a half of water go straight through it. Jeez. So, uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's relentless. So, yeah, yeah, and there's more rain coming, apparently. It's just, it's just obscene. So, yeah. Um... How good were the how good were the lines on Saturday? Oh, unreal! That, that was such a polished performance. Oh, I, I just I couldn't believe our defense. Come half time, I thought, mate, we 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 got a real chance here. Mm. Uh, it was very impressive. So, yeah, especially in, in Canterbury. Oh, there, there weren't many Hurricanes or line supporters there, but I tell you what. They had big grins on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. I saw, you normally see a, a crowd shot, a reasonably wide shot of a pocket of them, but I think they, the most they found sitting together was maybe two and lots of ones. So, yeah, just would have loved to have been there. I saw one bloke wearing a, a lion's top and a Wonder Woman outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I must admit, once they won, I went, good man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, for the rankings, uh, for me, it's the um, the cricket, then the women's rugby, and then the league. For me, um, and the reason I say that is, I think the cricket's very difficult. The women's one's going to be very hard. The league's going to be a bit easier. Mm. So, okay. Um, that's sort of how I, how I rate it. I did watch the women play uh, Scotland on after the Wellington one. Maybe I was, you know, just pretty happy wanted some more rugby. And um, I tell you what. It, Good to see rugby where they're not kicking it every five seconds. I Isn't really it good? It. Isn't it good? Yeah. Yep. And they don't yeah, faff so around at the scrums either. And um, there's just not as much faffing around. No, no. It's, it's, it's good ball play. And, I mean, I feel for them because, you know, their handling skills aren't, you know, aren't up to where the All Blacks are. But, you know, they're on their way. I mean, give it five years. Mm. It's, there's going to be some champagne rugby happening out there. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the offload games there and um, the skill sets, that they're improving so quickly now. 
yeah, oh, it's going to be quite, going to be a really good product to watch. Mm. Seriously, and it's it's probably going to be something we'd love to see the men do. Yeah, <laughs> just play. <laughs> yeah, just play. Yeah, yeah. Expressive rugby. That's what it's about. Awesome, Darren. Um, I hope the weather eases up for you, mate. You know, I'm starting to feel sorry for the people over in Aussie. There, it's just um, you don't mind a couple of days of rain, but it feels like Aussie's had it for six months. Well, I, I, I did help cheer them up by mentioning the, the T20 cricket on the weekend just to, just to sort of help them along the way. <laughs> I said, don't worry about the weather, the cricket's on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Good man. Cheers, mate. See ya. Cheers, buddy. Darren, out of uh, Melbourne there. <clears throat> that that um, actually text sort of here. Uh, sums up what I was about to say from Mark's, Mark from Christchurch. Uh, I find it's easier to get engaged with the T20 World Cup. Time zones are the problem with league for me, and weekends only for rugby is the problem. Can't beat games like that win over Australia for the Black Caps and the Pakistan implosion. Cheers, Mark, from Christchurch. Yeah, a couple of points there. Um, we can't do much about the time zones for the Rugby League World Cup, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I tend to agree a little bit there. Uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup, it's, it's well, for me, I'm not speaking on behalf of you, but for me, it loses a bit of momentum Monday to Friday. Um, I would have liked, you know, you could play Saturday, Sunday, and even if you just had a, a game on Wednesday or a couple of games on Wednesday, um, maybe one of the pools could have been Wednesday games. So all the other pools, Saturday and Sunday, um, what do they have? Triple headers, don't they? So maybe you have two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and one other pool have their two games Wednesday, and then maybe shorten it all back up later on in the um, later on in the tournament once we get down to playoffs. So they all have the same amount of time off. But I feel for me, the Rugby World Cup loses a bit of momentum during the week. I'm totally engaged when it's back on on the weekend, though. Totally engaged, but they it does lose me a little bit, just a little bit. Um, back to the phones, uh, the great Tunny Farm man uh, who finds himself somewhere else in the country, but huts in uh, Whangarei and surrounding regions. It's Graham. G'day, Graham. How are you, Steph? Hope good. you had a good weekend. Sounds like you did, bro. Oh, fantastic weekend. A uh, uh, couple of quick shout-outs. Nati to, Nati to, Nati yep. Well done to them. I taped it. Didn't know. I went out pig hunting in the morning, diving in the afternoon. Didn't listen to any radios or anything. Came home, watched it. I had a beer, had a tear in my eye. So to Ed and all your whanau and supporters down there, uh, well done to you. A shout out to Luke Romano. Yes. Um, 14 years, professional rugby player. No sabbatical in that lot. Plays his ass off every game. Uh a little bit disappointed with some of the respect shown from some of the Wellington players. Duplessis is a little bit to learn. You know, he was all right puffing his chest out and shoving people around, but you know, just yeah, just think about what that guy's done for New Zealand, New Zealand rugby, and then you'll be up there with him, I think. Mm. So well done to Wellington. Mm-hmm. It's a good game of footy. They played very well. They deserved the win. Quickly on the netball, disappointed. I think maybe Nolan got a little bit too cute. And it cost them big time. Um, yeah, I, was, I just think we had we had the throat on Australia, and we should have just squeezed it a bit more. But you know, a lot of people will still probably disagree. But I just think we we were better than that, and um, we should have put them away. But yeah, sadly we didn't. Mm. 
Um, and if I was an Australian CEO, I'd probably tear up all the Australian girls' contracts to start again. Um, that is a know, that can, is a story that's going to be very interesting to follow. Yeah, like I can understand why they've done it, the ladies, and why they've spoken out. But you know, if Bundaberg comes along and says they want to give you fifteen million, you're going to say, "Well, no, alcohol does a lot of damage to people, blah blah," especially to Aboriginal people. Mm. Um, you know, cars do the same thing. You know, so if Shell comes along, you know, you just got to be a little bit. And they're professional sportswomen, and the only way you get paid, man. As if you've got sponsors and people who put the money in. So what do you want to do? Do you want to not get paid and carry on playing and, and have two jobs and, and go to school and go to try and study as well? Or, yeah, just have a wee sit back and have a wee think about it mm. what would be my advice. But, but, yeah, the sport's been great. So my selections are one for the Kiwis. I'd like to see them winning again. It's been a long time. I think they've got a good squad. And I'd like to see young old Maguire do well too. I think he's, you know, he's passionate about this team. Um, two would be the Blackburns. They should really be my one because I've got a couple of good friends, daughters playing in there. And um, yeah, but I don't know. It's going to be, it's just, the, you know, it's hard when it's only in three, you're only playing in three places, you know. It's yeah. hard to get behind it really. It's a bit hard to get behind it. And, yeah, third one is the T20. I don't watch. I'm not a fan of it. I watched it the other night, and, you know, some of those catches were unbelievable. I watched that India-Pakistan game. That was unreal, man. It was, wasn't so it? As far as, entertainment, as far as entertainment goes, yeah, you can't you can't argue with that. But, oh, that's like them sitting down and watching the five-day cricket match, eh, and see who can, see who can work each other out. But well, I'm just an old, silly old bugger, you know, so... What would I know? But yeah, those are my three. But well done to Wade and the rugby team. I was just a little bit disappointed with some of the stuff that went on. But yeah, winners are grinners, as they say. That's it, mate. That is it. Did you get cool. Did you get Thanks very much, Steffi, mate. Take good, it easy, brother. Good on you, mate. Uh, Graham, out of Marlborough, formerly of Northland. Um, just mentioned Michael Maguire there, Sam. He just mentioned he'd love a win for Michael Maguire. Did I read rightly that he's been added to the Canberra NRL side yesterday? Um, they, Ricky Stewart announced his new coaching group and I think Michael Maguire's head of high performance or head of something. Is that right? Oh, Ruben's just... Close the door. Close the door. Close the door, Ruben. I need to talk to Sam. Thank you. Door's closed. Mike on. Yeah, Mike on. Uh, yeah, no, uh, in our senior NRL consultant. Okay. Yeah, for the next two seasons. So, yeah, he's, he'll be linking up with Canberra. So, um, He is a quality man, isn't he, that was handed some unquality teams and maybe some unrealistic goals. Wests are an absolute mess. I mean, I don't think anyone really is going to solve that problem in short term. And um, he's one of those guys that when you talk to players and other coaching staff, they all say, you know, he's a fabulous coach, great guy, great man manager. And let's be honest there, for an international team, it's just about getting them all on the same page. Not a lot of coaching that no, goes yeah, on. Yeah, there's nothing technical. You know, you got 20, maybe slight game plans. Yeah, maybe overall game plans. But you got, you know, if you're talking about a starting 17, 17 of the best players in the NRL, you know, you don't need to tell them, mm. you know, catch on the inside, pass on the outside, etc. So, mm. Yep, good to see that he's uh, landed another gig, albeit it's at Canberra. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Scott from Wellington is on the line and you can join him on 0800 Yes, welcome back in. We go straight down to Wellington, NPC, Ranfilly Shield, the whole shebang. Scott, on cloud nine? 
Afternoon, Steffi. Um, I, I, I've got a, I'm, I'm not a, a rugby person myself. That's fair. Um, but obviously, obviously glad for uh, glad for the city and that. And uh, I had a few very happy uh, family members over the weekend. I must say, <laughs> yeah, that's good. There's always a benefit. <laughs> there is. There is. Um, no, I was just going to touch base, obviously, on the, the T20 World Cup, and um, obviously, you know, um, you couldn't have asked for a better first up game um, from the Black Caps, and you know, it's it's not very often you get a near perfection performance, but um, you know, there, there was hardly anything to fault there, I've got to say, and um, you know, it, it has set up, us up nicely because obviously, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but England and Australia were were the two of the two toughest teams in the group, and obviously we did need to beat one of them to go through. Um, and, and hopefully, obviously, we'll, we can we could go through unbeaten. I mean, that would be awesome. But um, no, it was it was a great performance. I think the one thing I'd, I would like to see going forward, though, is is maybe with Kane, um, maybe more act as a bit of a floater. And um, I think if um, Finn Allen's the first one to get out, then maybe Glenn Phillips come in. But if it's Conway getting out, then Williamson come in. I'm with you. Um, That's something we've moved away from. And and I used to love back in the day we'd have, you know, Chris Cairns as a pinch hitter. Uh, And I like a pinch hitter. And if you've got a steady, reliable at one end, just keep chucking pinch hitters in. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. And it just keeps that, you know, especially if Finn Allen gets off to a good start, bringing in the likes of Phillips or or even Neesham, you know, it just keeps the momentum going. And and obviously if it's Conway getting out, then you can look and bring in Kane and think, right, we can keep him in, hopefully keep him in for the rest of the innings and and keep it going. And I mean, that that could be the only thing after that performance I I could could pick on. And, um, you know, it's... You know, exciting going forward. I mean, hopefully, you know, we we can beat Afghanistan, which we should do uh, tomorrow. But you know, they have the got they have got that good bowler, though, haven't they, Rashid? Is it? And I, I'm I'm just yeah. worried he could get five for twenty or something like that. You know. Yeah, and that, that's the one thing I've got to say with with T20 World Cup compared to you know the 50 over or, or a lot of the other World Cups is anyone can actually probably beat anyone on the day. Mm. Um, you know, we you know, you you go in and you'll say, well, we should beat Afghanistan. We should beat, you know, most teams would say they'd beat Ireland and that sort of thing. But there's still that chance that the upset can come there at the same time. Yeah, and and don't remember how much we were flogged by um, South Africa in the warm-up game as well. And then we turn around and go and do that to Australia. We are a rocks and diamonds team, but uh, thankfully the game that counted is the one we we cashed in on and got the points. Exactly. Hopefully, mm. we can get a few more diamond performances in there. Yeah. What's your one, two, three? Cricket, women's rugby, rugby league. What's your one, two, three? Um, uh, cricket, obviously, at the start. I mean, I love, I love my league as well. Um, I, I think the the early stages of the League World Cup. It's, you know, you, you want to watch it, but you kind of know what's going to happen with a lot of those teams. But once it sort of gets into the quarterfinals, it does obviously get a, a bit more exciting. Um, so it would be yeah, the T20 World Cup, um, the league, and, and then the Women's Rugby World Cup. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. All right, mate, thanks for calling. Cheers, Steffi, have a good day. Cheers, buddy. Um, I'll tell you what, it's tight. It's tight. Uh, we're just about finished. 0800-150-811. In fact, you can text through your votes now because we've got a minute, then we've got a break, and then we've got the news. And um, I can tell you, one team's got 18 points, one team's got 20, and one team's got 22. Nothing in it. So your text votes could change it, could change what your most favourite is between the League World Cup, Women's Rugby World Cup, or the T20 World Cup. Let us know what you think. We'll be back in a moment. 
Coming up to one o'clock, uh, the Black Sox team. Uh, the squad has been named for the World Cup. And it goes like this. Uh, pitchers are Daniel Chapman and Josh Pettit and Peter Rona. Uh, catches are Tawera Bishop and Cam Watts, a new cap. Uh, infielders are Thomas Anoka, Jerome Raimaki, Joel Evans, Dante Makia Matakatea, uh, Cole Evans, Reese Evans, Tane Mumu, another new cap. Uh, ben Anoka, which I think he's gone to about six of these things. Ben Anoka, Riley Makia, Bradley Bennett, new cap, and Connor Peden. And of course, they will be ably coached by Brutus, Mark Sorensen, assistant coach. Scooby, Daryl Marino, and Patrick Shannon, and uh, manager will be Casey Eden. Um, we, uh, we've already reached out to Mark Sorensen. He should join the show tomorrow. Big time, big sport in New Zealand, wonderful history, wonderful record, and it's fantastic spectator. Family sport, participation sport with such a rich heritage. So off to another World Cup, ably led coached, mentored by one of the greats of all time, not just New Zealand but the world uh, inducted into the World Softball Hall of Fame as well, Mark Sorensen, hopefully on the show tomorrow, now it's new sport and weather time Tell you what, the temper bedpost text machine is hissing this first hour. How good. Um, so many votes have come through. Lash goal. Um, Women's World Cup, Rugby League World Cup and T20 World Cup, the votes are in. I didn't think it would be this close, but it is. Now, I gave one point for your first choice, two points for your second choice, three points for your third choice. Um... So, lowest score wins. In third place, with 30 points, is the Rugby League World Cup. In second place, with 29 points, so virtually nothing in it, uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup. And the overall lowest ranking, meaning the most popular, was 25 points in the T20 World Cup. So not a blowout by any stretch, 25, 29 and 30, which means we're all invested in all of them, doesn't it? And can we get all three? I'm guarded about the cricket because there's so many things have to go right, namely England. It it scares me. Like, didn't Ireland or Scotland nearly beat us recently up there? There was some Michael Bracewell magic that got got us out of the fire. England are great. South Africa pantsed us. We're probably going to have to play them in some sort of playoff switcheroo. Um, We may have to play Australia again. Can we do it again? It's one game. Fantastic. The right thing happened. Um, Which one do you think we're most likely to win? I think we're most likely to win, in my head, probably the Rugby League. Second most likely... Probably the Women's Rugby World Cup for me because there's not as many opponents. In the cricket, there's so many opponents and so many things have to go right and so many games. 
I mean, the Women's Rugby World Cup only has three games left. Uh, the first one's the Welsh. We'll, we'll do that. Then we're potentially France, then England. So I think there's only two games. Rugby League World Cup, there's one one game, which is the semi-final, probably Australia, and then a final, so maybe one and a half games. But the T20 World Cup, I think there's four meaningful games they have to win. So I think that's the least, like if I was a bookmaker and setting odds on the one we're most likely to win, I'd go Rugby League just ahead of the Women's World Cup. The hardest one of us to win of those three is the T20 World Cup because of the the depth of opposition and the number of games we'd have to win. So maybe that makes it more valuable. It's probably the hardest of those three to win um, just when you factor in Australia, England, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, even Bangladesh. They, they could all all beat us. We also love beating Australia in the group stages to only then lose in yeah. a knockout round. But look, you know, I'm going to put, cast that omen on them. There's also some great chat, well, great chat, some interesting chat at the moment, Steph, around the, the Rugby League World Cup and all the blowouts and people mm. saying, you know, this surely this isn't good for the game and it's not entertaining, et cetera. But, like, doesn't that just happen at any World Cup in any sport? Pretty much. In group stages? Pretty like, much. you get these massive blowouts. And I think cricket has got a good formula where they separate the minnow teams first and let them battle it out with each other. Yeah, they had a round each in they the did. top two or something. Yeah, yeah, top two from each one go into the Super twelve, and then, and then you get much more competitive matches. But in pretty much any sport other than football, you always get these big discrepancies, right? Well, Rugby in, World Cup, you exactly. get huge scores. Well, arguably bigger than Rugby League. Mm. Um so yeah, and and because because these teams don't play pretty much at all, we talked about this last week. You know, these are almost warm ups for them, right? For the quali- the qualifiers mm. for for a knockout stage. You know. Yeah, yeah, and even watching the Kiwis Jamaica, and I watched the whole game um, for a reason, which will become evident later no, on. But no, no, I, no. I really enjoyed Jamaica, like. They didn't have the ability and the skill level and all of that, but they scored the try. I jumped as high as the Jamaicans. I was good so, try too. It was fantastic. It's a it was damn good so try. Good. And they had some really nice touches. And I, you know, a little bit of me felt sorry for them losing by what was it, sixty odd points. Yep. But they loved being there. I mean, and the Jamaican Rugby League Federation has only been in place since the nineties, and I think a Jamaican team has only been in place for less than ten years. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and and what I noticed with them is that the, even the tries that they let in were just they were tries to a good team, but sometimes with the Rugby World Cup, you watch teams, you're like, how was how are they at this tournament? You know, in terms mm. of their level of play. Jamaica, you're right, we're actually okay. They were physical, right? They had they made some mistakes, probably kicking it every time on the third or fourth tackle. But <laughs> you know, they were physical and they were ambitious and they defensively, apart from when it went out wide, were okay. So um, yeah, like you, I I sort of was a little bit proud of them and mm. de- definitely I mean it sounds silly as a Kiwi Kiwis fan but I felt I wanted them to score you know mm. I also uh, wanted somebody else to score but. I mean, and it'd be like if the football ferns play the USA in uh, the World Cup next year if, yep. if it panned out that we got through and we, and we played them and they were leading 6-0 10 minutes to go and the football ferns got a goal it would be amazing you know yeah, the best be team in the it. world playing the best team in the world yeah um, we're going to talk some football World Cup, uh, women's FIFA World Cup, actually, with uh, international, well, American correspondent Casey is going to jump into the studio. She was at the draw and about the magnitude of this. I still can't quite wrap my head around it. She said, um, you're not going to throw any curly questions at me, are you? And I wonder if we just come up with something that you can slip in there that the audience oh. will know. She's not listening out there now, so 
Um, yeah, is there something we can come up with one that just, just, to trick her, just to trip her up? The listeners will have that. Maybe we should... You want to do one of those things where you don't give her time to think and you just say something like, oh, if you could rank you know, the top five women's players from that famous 1995 Football World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you pick and why? Yeah. <laughs> What's a curly one? Oh, the listeners will know a curly one. Who are you with? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, an, oh, should we do that? Yeah, maybe you should. But you got to dress it up a little bit and sort of say, you know, given you know, World Cup say, down here. In five here, years' time, you're going back to that draw in Auckland and someone comes up to you and says, where were you with? What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. That's got to be it. Okay. That's got to be it. Uh, do, do the listeners know they, they don't really know about this. Oh, just very, very quickly, um, there's a question that I love asking people around the office. Just throw away line. You're having a conversation and then you just throw in a, where were you with? And the problem with it is that it sounds like it makes sense, yes. but when you think, when you're trying to think about it, where, where was I? I remember with? the first time you did it to me, and you said, "Where are you with?" And I was like, "Well, I was um, uh, where?" Yeah, you go, you go to answer it, and then you and then you stop yourself. And then the great thing is you can keep playing on it. So they, like, where were you with? And they go, "Oh, like I was, um, I was just outside." Yeah, but where were you with? <laughs> like, well, I was, I was with Steph. Yeah, where were you with though? Yeah, you know, oh, you and just. <laughs> It'll be good. It's gonna. It's gonna. I'm interested to see the response. Okay. Let's just hope she's not listening right now. Otherwise, we've just completely botched it. But it, it is on out in the um out in the office, but very low. I think you can only hear it if you're in the kitchen. I just went out and moved my car, and I'd noticed it was on very lightly. So I don't think she would moved have moved your it. car. Yeah. What happened there? I just took it from the P30 out to the back. Nice. Logan moved his car. Champion. Great. Um, Rory's text in and said, "Lydia Co. It sounds like that win was one of the highlights of her career." <laughs> I'm here for you every day, Rory. Keep them coming. Um, got a few texts on uh, the Temper Bear Post text machine. When is Brother Zade going to get his own show on SENZ? That's Steph from Auckland. Um, he's actually going to come into studio to preview UFC. What number are we up to? 281, I think it is. 281 with uh, Israel Adesanya and friends. So we're going to get him in on there. Uh, talking about the Scargill Golf Club, uh, Stu Lowe moans the lawns at Scargill. And my father-in-law, Bobby, Sloss, would chew your ear off if you ever play there. Very close to the famous Glenmark Rugby Club. Simon from Melbourne. There you go. Scargill Golf Club. If, you, if you're doing a roadie, pop in. It's got a... Oh, it looks tremendous. And you can book the clubhouse ahead of time if you've got a group going and playing. I just love that. Bet they do a great cheese toasty. Something like that. Cup of tea. Old school pop. But can I just ask a genuine question? Sure. This is really out of left field, but I just I had to ask it to you before we get to the break. <laughs> How does Michael Checker go from coaching Argentina to like a couple of weeks later just coaching Lebanon at the Rugby League World Cup? I know. And getting wins. I know. And like, if Lebanon make it to the playoffs, Argentinian rugby will be starting their Northern Hemisphere tour. And really? Yeah, they'll be playing on the same weekend. And they're <laughs> like, how are you going to manage that? And he goes, oh, I'll cross that bridge. But I th- he'll go back to Argentina. But he said he committed to Lebanon quite a while ago, and so he's seeing it out. I wonder if he thought that they were just no chance of getting to the quarters. Mm. No, but they were. They were their second favourite in the group, so that's weird. Mm. The whole thing's just I don't know how to understand how he does it. Great brain. Yeah, clearly. Mm. Great brain. 
Um, <clears throat> Staff, one thing about the NPC final seemed to me all of Jason Ryan's can-tab picks for the New Zealand 15 were comprehensively outplayed by their opposite counterparts. It also shows that Kurt Eklund should have got the nod ahead of both can-tab hookers as both failed to fire. Asafo Amua was incredible and he and Karifi showed the game uh, showed their game they've got the game to take it to the next level. Asafu Amua was incredible. I agree. Gosh, he's a de- just a destructive machine on legs. Um, another text in. Uh, this is a big softball fan. Number of texts from this person. Rugby was not the only success Wellington had at the weekend. Hutt Valley women won the softball title and Wellington men the champions. Great weekend for Wellington softball. Graham Staff, sorry to cut you off. I think you were going to ask me, did I catch anything? I was going to ask you, and you hit it off. Didn't get anything pig hunting, but got a feed from the sea. So happy days. Good on you, Graham. Good news. Um, well done, Lions, from Mark. So good not hearing Cantabs blaming the ref. Very much well beaten. They haven't, actually. I haven't heard any bleating, and I think... Even the most biased or biggest, staunchest fan, um, they were outplayed. Canterbury still played really, really well. I really enjoyed uh, Tom Christie's interview at the end. Um, I knew he'd say moments about six times, and he did. It's about winning those small moments, key moments, big moments, um, and Wellington did that. Um, Hey, staff, I was listening to SEN's Jared Waitley, Vossi and Brandy yesterday, and they all agreed that Sunday night's game between India and Pakistan ranked amongst the most exciting international game played in Australia that didn't feature an Australian team. My question to you, Staffy, is what is the best game of any sport in New Zealand history that you or our listeners have watched without a New Zealand team in the game? My vote is Cricket World Cup final at Hagley Oval uh, this year, Aussie, England. Uh, Alyssa Healy, 170 off 138. I was there. What a game. Jeez, you've got me thinking in my grey matter, Carlos. Let me let me just marinate on that for a little while um, because I have to take a break. Good question, though, Carlos. I'm going to think about that. Uh, we're going to take a break on the other side. We've just been talking about a wonderful season of the Wellington Lions, Ramfurly Shieldholders, Bunnings MPC champions, former All Black, All Black number 1111. Julian Savia from the Wellington Lions will join the show after the break. Kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, they've won the title that they've been searching for for a long, long time, the Wellington Lions. What a season they had. And one of the wily old heads that's returned to Wellington, been in great form, uh, is Wellington Lions winger Julian Savia. Jules, uh, big congratulations to kick off with. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, no, it's pretty special and we're pretty stoked. What stage of the season did you feel like you were onto something? Because we talked to Reuben Love a couple of weeks ago and he sort of felt after Canterbury North and the two losses, you all came together closer. When did you feel like you were on the right sort of run? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Reuben nailed on the head. I think I especially after Northland and, um, you know, we, we knew that we could play better and just wasn't good from us from what we what we put out there so we did come together tighter and I think it was more around leading up to a shield challenge then after that we started to get some, uh, get some you know consistent play and then we found some balance around our kicking game and when to run 
um, which was awesome. And then it felt like it just all of, all, all of it came together. And um, yeah, it just sort of knew what parts of the field that we needed to play in and, um, and how we how we put pressure on teams. Did you did you look back to when you were a young guy in a team and how it's inevitable that you lean on your seniors, uh, your experienced heads and your coaches, and now you're one of those guys? Did you feel like you had to stand up? Um, yeah. You know, our leadership group this year definitely was amazing and really setting the tone each week. Um, and as you said, you know, as a young fella, you sort of just jump on board and, and sort of, you know, help push that bus go forward and you just do your role as, as best as possible. And I felt like that's what we did today, uh, this year, sorry, um, that, you know, the, lead, the leaders led um, in many ways and then, you know, the young bucks just played their game, jumped on board and just, and just you know, prepared well. And um, as you can see, you know, we put on some good performances uh during the playoffs. Something that us as viewers don't get to witness is the influence of coaches. Um, we see the product out on the field, but it, it looked disciplined without being boring, like you still played heads-up rugby. Talk to me about yep. the influence of the likes of Tamadi Allison and Paul Tito. Oh, they've been a massive part of our campaign so far, and especially over the last few years. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, I guess, as I said, you know, real good good balance around where we want to play on the field, when to kick, how to kick in certain areas of the, of, of the field, and when we do kick, how much pressure are we putting on. So I think that really, once that sort of made sense to us as a collective, um, I think that's when everyone sort of in one mind and knew exactly where, where we wanted to go and um, kick the ball, run the ball, when to come out of the forwards, you know, um, that's that's massive prep to the to the coaches that that they put in each week, and um, and it wasn't so much all like rugby stuff, you know, there was a lot of bit of bit of banter, you know, during the weeks, and I think the real the, the boys really related to that. So just being able to, as you said, be serious, but also you know have fun along the way and enjoy every moment. It looked like there was some really good, you can just sort of see by the interactions on the field and after a game, the synergy between the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds. And, and you're, you're, you're in different stages of life, but it's like, you know, a guy like you is really enjoying playing with someone like Ruben Love and vice versa. It, it looked like a really good synergy. What's the key in a collective? And it's not just sports teams, but work teams and Anytime you're in an environment, what do you think the key is to get that synergy between the generations going? I think, um, I think first and foremost, you know, making sure that in your in, in your leadership group that they're they're sort of the best players that that are that are going to be playing, and then you know we lead by example and and um, you know like the likes of Ruben Love, he's he's already professional since you know two years ago, and. Um, you know, these guys come in and, and, and if they see us leaders sort of mucking around and, you know, that sort of sets the, sets the bar. Mm. So I think I think a real, and that's why I credit the leadership, um, you know, this year and over the last couple of years that we sort of just kept building and building and building. Because um, if we were off this year, I, I guarantee that 
we probably wouldn't have made it this far. What's the big difference in Julian Savier today to the Julian Savier 10 years ago? I mean, you're still a specimen, you're still athletic, but is it is it mental growth that's the big part for you? Um, I guess so, yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, <clears throat> I think just, yeah, understanding, um, you know, where I put all my energy, Um and not wasting energy, you know. So all the small stuff, I, I guess, I used to care about, and um, now it's sort of just, you know, I just get on fly. <laughs> and, and if I can't control what I can't control, then that's it. It is what it is. And um, the best thing that I, I've sort of, I guess, come away with things is that no matter what happens in my career, is that I'm under control of what I do. And I, I guess, uh, I guess now um, at this stage in life, like when you were twenty and twenty-one, you weren't a husband, you weren't a father, you weren't an expectant father. The balance, yeah. the balance you've achieved off the field, I think, has helped you on the field as well. Would that be fair? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've always said it, um, and I've always noticed it too in myself that once you know you got your off-field stuff sorted. Um, you'll 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 become a better man and, and a better player. Tell me about some of these youngsters. We've touched on Reuben Love, but the, you know the guys like Delaney, like uh, Riley Higgins, um, Aidan Morgan. It, it's exciting for the province down in Wellington. Peter Lakai has been phenomenal this year, and he's he's only five minutes out of school, but he's made the step up. <laughs> are, are you excited about the youth in in the Wellington program now? Oh, hundred percent, and um, you know. And it's just giving them confidence to do what they want to do, you know. And um, the more they grow, it's going to be better for Wellington anyway. So, and um, and even for their their future endeavours. So. Uh, but no, they've, they've been playing awesome. Um, and sooner or later, they're going to become, you know, one of the leaders in, in the next couple of years. So. Do you think this form? And the strategies will hold the Hurricanes in good stead next year. Like the the thing that. I was really pleased with for Wellington Lions was consistency of performance, uh, consistency of effort. Um, I think it was 10 in a row that you won. And that's something that the Hurricanes haven't been able to do um, almost since their existence, albeit there was the title once. Is this this a good thing that these guys will take into the Hurricanes and have them in good stead? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would expect and assume that it would be. But again... It's a different campaign, and um, you know, um, uh, as you said, like not being able to put consistent performance together has has been a, a big issue. So um, that's definitely going to be the forefront of our minds, and making sure how how we can do that as as as, an, um, as a whole team. So yeah, definitely some things to chat about, and and um, you know, they can sort of ask. Some of us Kings boys that were in the Lions team to sort of, you know, what, what was different or what, you know, can we do better? So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's a different campaign and, and I guess um, that's definitely an issue that we sort of need to, uh, need to sort out in terms of playing consistent um, rugby. So what lies ahead for you now, Jules? I guess you, you've um, earned a few weeks off. Uh 
I guess training never stops for you. You're one of the harder working guys in the off season. Do, do you actually take some absolute time out just to give the body a chance to recover? Yeah, I'm planning to at least take a week off and then straight back into it. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, after the final, I think we only got four weeks and then back into preseason. Um, so yeah, to definitely take a week off and obviously. Um, Baby's on on the way, so pretty busy with my time at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 too much taro and boil ups and chop suey, eh? Because uh, you know a week of that takes four weeks to get rid of it, Jules. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh. All right, um, massive congratulations to you and the whole squad. I couldn't be happier for you guys. Um, I don't think anyone predicted at the start of the season you'd be Ramfurly Shield holders and then Bunnings MPC champions. Um, it's been a fantastic, well, 12 months, a fantastic 22, 22 for yourself. Given what you've been through with uh, your time in New Zealand, then over in France and COVID and all yeah. of that, we must be uh, must be talking to a pretty happy Julian Savia. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty stoked and uh, proud of the boys. Good on you, Jules. I uh, wish you well yes. for the, bringing the new one into the world as well. You and Fatima doing a great job. Little family down there breeding future future athletes for New Zealand, mate. Uh, thanks for chatting to us today. No worries. Thanks for having me, Seth. Brother Pelle's in the back, sweet singers in the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Suddenly red blue lights flash us from behind. Loud voice booming, please step out onto the line. Belly bridge words of comfort, Cena just hides her eyes. Policeman taps the shades, is that a Chevy 69? How bizarre. How bizarre, how bizarre. Destination unknown. Um, how bizarre. No TAB cross today. Um, I can live with that. Um, probably would have said, uh, you know, the Black Caps against Australia. I think he was there, actually. That's probably why Brendan Popperwell's not answering, because I'm pretty sure I saw on his Instagram story shots from the ground. Um, but what I can say is, is there it, was a lot of money <laughs> on the Black Caps. What I will say, was it at the SCG? Yes. That's right, yeah. Oh, nice little holiday there for Pops. Mm. Um, actually, just talking on that cricket, uh, where is it? Where is it? Oh, I had a text someone that was there. Let's just go through the text for now because I've got a whole heap to get through. Speaking of Jamaica, from Rory. From Rory, speaking of Jamaica, I went to school one day wearing dreadlocks and the princ- principal told me to go home and take the rest of the day off. <laughs> Rory. Uh, Staffy, Super Rugby squads are named tomorrow. Anyone heard any rumours? I hope the Highlanders get a few good players. I'm gutted for Fakatava out of Super Rugby next year, though. Yeah, that's hard. They can't afford to bleed their quality players, the Highlanders. I'm hearing, I'm hearing um, someone's leaving the Hondas, going to the Chiefs. Makeli Tu'u. Marina Makeli Tu'u, I think, is one rumour I heard. Well, didn't the Chiefs just sign one of the Highlanders? Oh, um, that, that's probably it, is it? Uh 
Menaki Selby Rocket. Yeah. Oh, Menaki Selby Rocket. Oh, yeah. another one. Oh, jeepers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they which is weird because he's not going to. He's probably not going to start at the Chiefs, is he? Um. Well, there's Brody. And why can't I think of the other one? He'll get game time. He will get definitely get game. Like it's a high attrition, high attrition type forwards. High attrition. You need three but or four. He'd be starting in, in Tupovai. Tupovai. Yeah, he, he'd be starting in the Highlanders, though, wouldn't he? Mm. Interesting move. Yeah, trouble at Mill at the Highlanders. Is the, oh, okay. Uh, it's mm. the oil, is it? It's the oil. Yeah, that's what the little birdie's telling you. Yes. Um, why are we playing Wales again in the quarterfinal when we played them in the pool round? It just goes straight on seedings now. So New Zealand points differential um, have come out as number one and Wales is number eight. So bang, that's who we that's who we get. Um, that's the answer to that one. Staffy and Sam, I went into town with some mates to watch the Cox Plate. And then go to the cricket. I wasn't expecting much. What a night. We were sitting about 10 metres from the Glen Phillips catch. Go the Black Caps. Merkin from Sydney. Good to hear from you, Merkin. What a night that would have been. Fantastic. To be a Kiwi against the Aussies, winning an Aussie. Oh, joyous. Joyous. Um, from Dave. Hi, Steph Sam. Uh, great win for the Black Caps and the Lions. How good are the Canes going to be next year? Um it's our year, Steffi. I spat my beer out when Sweet Caroline started playing during the rugby. <sighs> I have a worse reaction than that. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, I had the best weekend on the punt for a while. I had Ryan Fox to win top five and top ten, Lydia to win, Wellington and BD Joe in the feature at Ashburton. Best game of late that New Zealand weren't involved in that I went to was the Ashes when Stokes and Leach pulled off a miracle. It's a miracle. Um, Sweet Caroline, apparently I got a number of tweets during the weekend because everyone knows my aversion to that song at New Zealand sporting events. Apparently Southern Cross Insurance's new TV ad is to Sweet Caroline. Can you dig that? Is, is, Is this a campaign to rile me up? Sweet Caroline for the Southern Cross Insurance TV ad. And I and I replied, I'm like, you wouldn't think they'd want to make people sick being an insurance company. Oh, you won't be taking out a policy anytime soon, will you? Well, I haven't got one with them. Okay. I haven't got one with them. Um Jeepers. You're gonna uh, have to you're gonna have to um you know, people are gonna start doing it on purpose, Steph. You know yeah. what I mean? It'll just be their little gag. Just to spite me. Hey, can you explain this one to me? Um, it's given that we're supposed to be talking to Pops right now about the TAB. So someone, I'm assuming it was over the weekend, put a hundred bucks on a bet that returned eight grand. Mm-hmm. Um, first four bet. Mm-hmm. In the first, for first place, they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. For second place, they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. For third place, they went blah, 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 right through to twelve. And then for fourth place, they just put nine. Is that, a, wow. is that, is that some sort of strategy I'm missing here or? So they thought nine was going to run fourth. And anyone else finished one, two, three? So here's the thing. That's the winning bet. Yeah. So what I'm imagining, they would have taken four bets, nine for first, and then one through 12, second and third, nine for second. So that punter's convinced they're going to, that horse is going to run in the first four. So it's called a roving banker, Sam. So number nine's the banker, mm-hmm. and it roves first through fourth. So he's probably taken the field, uh, and nine to be in the first four. That's, but how does that pay out eight grand? Like... 
You know how totes work, Sam. Uh, yeah, but all the money goes. I feel like if you're picking every horse for one, two, and three, and then you're just picking one correctly for four, it shouldn't pay out that much. Because no one else had it. Well, very few people. If only two people get it, and there's sixteen thousand dollars in the pool. I see. Yeah. You get eight. I see. Yeah. And nine might have been the favourite, and so a lot of people would have had that for first and second. Does it say what the race was? Uh, it just says thoroughbreds. Nah. Does it say horse names? Uh yep. Promise. Oh, Randwick Race Nine. Sorry, Randwick Race Nine on uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. I'm going to yep. find it for Race you. Race Nine, Saturday. Uh, helping Sam out with logistics. And while you're doing that, blow me down. Next Tuesday's the Melbourne Cup. Jeez, that snuck up, hasn't it? Just next Tuesday is the Melbourne Cup. Mm. We might have to do what, what we did last year and just make a big day of it. Randwick Race Nine. Right, eight. And number nine did come fourth. First place paid $30. Sure. Second place would have been about $20 and third place about 12 So it's three roughies and then Bell. Bell play, Placea, plays it, yeah. Sam Clipper. I haven't got what the uh, what it was in the betting, have I? But it was fourth. So I would say, what did you say? One through 12. So that's the whole field. Yeah, whole field, first, second, third. So they've nine. said Bell Placea will run in the four and that's what they've done. Does it say what the take what the total first four was? Uh, first four eighty grand. So they got ten percent of it. So they've done ten percent. So that's twelve times eleven, times ten, times nine. What's that? Twelve times eleven is one hundred twenty. Times ten is twelve hundred. Times nine, basically, is about ten grand. Mm. Um, so he's got a ten percent of it. So it's a grand. So he spent four grand. He spent a hundred bucks. A hundred dollar first four. Oh, sorry, hundred dollars. So I reckon he spent four hundred. He's taken four bets, spent four hundred, and he's got ten percent of the first four, which was five four two nine. Text Oof. us on double eight double three if that's you. Did you see the other one over the weekend? They did a cash out. It was about oh yeah ten it, legs. Yeah, and they no, it was twelve, and he cashed out on nine. Yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, and they they all came in, didn't they? No, one missed. Oof. So good, I good think choice. there were I think there were two left, and one came in. Uh, was a one to thirteen NFL that came in, and a one to thirteen NFL, and that went overs. So good cash out, great cash out. Yeah, yeah. you take that. I did a cash out in the weekend myself. Uh, speaking of NFL, just before we go to a break, Monday night football. Da, uh, Phil from Hastings, turn your radio down. Sam's going to give you an update. It's the Chicago Bears going up against the Boston New England Patriots, and the Bears just scored a TD. They're up nine nil. My second team. Let's hope they come out second best today. Go Pats. <laughs> we'll take a break and we'll come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Well, it's been a long weekend too, so there must be good news. Maybe I should do this in the style of a news bulletin, and I'll change the music, make it all news bulletin, and I'll I'll do that like pre-headline thing where they go, McFarlane from Fire Festival is back. Iowa officials backpedal after mountain lion sighting, and fancy unlimited flights to Tokyo with a Japanese airline. This is what's making news. Oh, and then go into my stories. Do I have to bring up that? Scratchy World War Two news bulletin style that you oh, threatened to do. Better McFarlane from the fire. No, no, maybe, maybe <laughs> one day. Um, what, what did we do last year? Year in review, didn't we? Yeah. Um, 
Billy McFarland from Fire Festival fame. He's the guy mm. that was behind Fire Festival. I love that right? docker. Watch it twice. It's great. Oh, I need to watch it again, actually. I, do you know what my favourite part about that whole thing? The swimming pigs. <laughs> that was the best part. The little piglets swimming in the water. That was awesome. With I want to go to that the place. Instagram stars. Yeah, I want to go to that place. Um, if you haven't watched Fire Festival, definitely go and watch it on Netflix. It's F-Y-R-E. Basically, this guy's a big con artist. And you can imagine the red flags that have been brought up, Steph, when he posted a teaser clip to his TikTok today, uh, fessing up to his wrongs at Fire Festival. Guys, I know I stuffed up. However, here's what's coming next. Uh Billy McFarlane. And it's just a teaser of a treasure map as well as a brief look at a phone number. And this is this. He's at it again, Steph. He's trying. It's like someone's upside Billy. It ain't going to work, mate. You tried that once before. We was it in the Bahamas? Yeah, but people will gravitate towards it because he's he's infamous the, and people love infamy or famey. The, the idea itself was actually pretty cool in my mind, right? Like if you're rich, you fly to this island, you stay in these great little tents, amazing festival, amazing, amazing music, right? That's a great concept. It's just he scammed people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I don't think that was his intention. I think he thought he could do it and then he realised how much work there was. So apparently um, if you go on this little teaser of his um, and click on a link, you're asked to give your contact info um, and then you're given a video clue as to what's coming next from Billy. So if you are interested in um, Fire Festival 2.0 why not give it a look? Uh, Iowa Drama in Iowa, you might say, Steph. Uh, as on Thursday last week, Iowa officials in the uh, Des Moines County. No idea how to pronounce it, but I'm going with Des Moines. It's Des Moines. Des Moines? Yep. Do you actually not? I know it. Okay, Des Moines County. They reported last week, everyone, be on alert. There is a mountain lion in the vicinity, right? There's been a sighting. Mountain lion in the vicinity. Uh, obviously, call nine one one. Cougar was spotted on surveillance footage um, from the city's east side. And uh, everyone, lock up your doors, battens, sandbags. <laughs> if this thing gets anywhere near anyone, we're in a lot of trouble. Staff, they've had to backpedal uh, somewhat after finding out that uh, the camera footage of the said mountain lion uh, actually was just a house cat. <laughs> 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 Just your standard house cat. With a big right. appetite? Or Probably a big tail. That mm. <laughs> might have thrown someone off. Oh, tremendous. But uh, that, oh, that's just vintage small town, isn't it? Just Love shut that. the city down for a mountain lion when it's a cat. And finally, um, if you are sick of bustling metropolises throughout New Zealand, if you live in Christchurch or Wellington or Auckland, why not take a trip over to Japan and base yourself in the uh, Katayushi province Mm. Um, because Starflyer which is a budget airline in Japan is offering people a monthly subscription service that covers unlimited flights between uh, Kaitakushi and Tokyo the reason why is because they're suffering, the airline's suffering like every you know one is around COVID and stuff like that, and they're trying to encourage more people to f- fly into Tokyo for work rather than living there. They want to fly you in there. So uh, for just the, the small total of $1,300 a month, NZD, I think that's in the US, so it's probably about $1,600, $1,700, unlimited flights, they'll pay for your accommodation um, as well as uh, travel in the city if you need Ubers or taxis or whatever. So there you go, Steph. If you ever get sick of working here and you want to take one of the remote kits that we've got lying around here, do your, do your show from home, do it from Japan. Ohio. I'm, a, I'm about that. Because I must.
oh. and just unlimited trips into Tokyo. Which oh, afternoons with Stevie celebrating the Blossom Festival today. Are we? Yeah, just <laughs> dress it up. Dress it up. And uh, do you want a fact? Quickly. When's your birthday? November. Brilliant. People born between September and November mm. have a 40% higher chance of living to the age of 100 than people born in March. Oh, two of my sisters were born in March. Well, unlucky. You're going to go to 100, maybe them, them not. 40% chance. Ad time. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, fantastic. Uh, great to have your company back here on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ in association with Gull. Fueling emission all year round. Great savings. Great savings. Economical fuel. Do yourself a favour. Log on to gold.nz, register, and uh, happy days. Happy days. Get the savings, and you'll be told. Uh, good 24-hour, 36-hour period they have on their specials each month. In the next hour, well, the next half hour anyway, Brain Man is coming into the studio. Um, a neuroscientist by the name of Sam Dodd. He is joining us. We're going to talk concussion. We're going to talk about looking after your brain, getting clarity of thought. And <clears throat> I made some notes. I'm going to ask him about, oh, flick the page, Seth, L-juice. What's L-juice, you say? You will find out when Sam Dodd joins the show after New Sport and Weather was Johnny Mac. And don't worry, we have our final two matches in the greatest TV characters of all time. That'll be coming up at about 2.30. But news time, and then we're talking about your brain. Oh yeah, it's the soothing sounds of Arepa's greatest hits. Now, if you've been a regular listener, I have snuck out to the fridge from time to time and got myself one of these Arepa drinks. And I was talking to Sammy Brown, and he said, mate, if you ever want to talk to the neuroscientist who's jumped on board because he likes the product, we'll get him in the studio. Well, here he is. And his name is Sam Dodd. Sam, neuroscientist, first time I've ever met one. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, Gosh, I've got so many things I want to ask you about, but... Just to set up the path and, and, and give us a base for our discussion, neuroscience, how do you choose that as a person? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I was always into science, and you kind of tend to end up studying one of the organs is sort of how it ends up unfolding. And for me, the brain was just the most interesting one because it's kind of in control of all of the other organs. It's in control of pretty much everything you ever do, see, experience. So it was kind of the natural pathway for me, I think, yeah. It's almost like... The infinity organ, because in 50 years' time, they'll be finding things out about the brain you didn't even think possible, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, that's half of why it's so exciting and also a little bit why it can be frustrating at times that you're never making that much headway into what we can discover, but it leaves stuff to continue to be found out, which makes it particularly interesting and exciting. So you landed landed on the brain. That's a concussion <laughs> statement. <laughs> but you've landed on the brain as your topic of choice. I, I, I noticed you've done some work in the Alzheimer's space and the mm-hmm. stroke space, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Um, and the continual learning type situation, the brain health is what I wanted to talk to you about. Um we know that you can, you have vitamin C to ward off colds. You have vitamin E for, to protect your nerve endings. You have fish oil for this mm. and evening primrose. Can you 
heal slash protect your brain by putting stuff in your mouth? 100%. I mean, your diet dictates everything your body creates, all the neurotransmitters, hormones, the way your muscles function, the way everything works requires the right building blocks to be put in so that then you can set your body up as well as possible to have everything you need to function effectively. So what goes in your mouth 100% makes a difference. You get the wrong things, you sort of create inflammation and you can damage cells long term and you kind of speed up the ageing process and the degradation process. So what you can eat and what we found out through proper rigorous clinical trials has shown that we can slow down ageing processes, we can boost cognition, we can help with mood and stress and things like that. So basically it's a product that can benefit everyone. That's the whole point of the company is it's not just for a specific demographic, it's anyone with a brain. We exist to make brains better, so it's kind of targeted at anyone and everyone. So I'm holding an repo at the moment. What's the difference between this? This is a rhetorical question, but what's the difference between this and a lightly fizzy blackcurrant drink? What's the difference? Good question. Uh, there are three key ingredients. So well, not only is there just the blackcurrant in there, the blackcurrants we use are, again, analysed and tested to make sure they have the appropriate levels of all these bioactive compounds that confer these health benefits. So we have special strains of blackcurrants that are from New Zealand, that have these special properties that allow them to be a lot more beneficial for your health. But then on top of that, the neuroscientist actually that was responsible for the initial formulation, a guy, Professor Andrew Scully, who's a bit of a world leader in the space, he created a formulation that uses two other ingredients, a pine buck extract, which is uh, was a waste product from New Zealand um, timber industry, and then also L-theanine, which is from a fermentation of Japanese green tea leaves, and that's kind of what has that calming sort of sensation. So, yeah, we had a... World-leading neuroscientists develop it to make sure that we invest in the hard science up front to make sure that we can then stand by what we're saying that the product does down the track. Uh, obviously, it's sports radio show. Um, how does this benefit sports people? Is it is it a, a pre-sport thing? Is it, does it help with uh, injury and rehab? Um, we know there's a lot in the news about concussion. Mm-hmm. So is it good for after injury, after head knock, or is it better for before? I think that's the cool thing with the product is, it, again, it appeals to everyone for a bunch of different reasons. It's particularly good for sportsmen, I think, because it helps with physical performance. There's a lot of research out there about black currants. There's a lot of sports teams like the All Blacks that take black currant supplements, like the men's rowing eight that won gold. They'll take black currant supplements for the benefits that it gives your muscles. It helps with the strength of muscle contraction. It helps with blood flow to the muscle, which helps then with the fatigue, stamina, endurance of the muscle, but it also helps with what people know as DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. It helps you basically bounce back more quickly and your muscles not stay sore for so long. But then on top of that, as we all know and becoming more and more aware of, is sport is a lot more than just a physical profession. There's a lot of mental health issues in sport these days, and even just mental performance, mental clarity, allows you to maybe get that edge, that 1% that makes all the difference in a sporting context. So, again, this is, this is a product that allows you to mentally perform, be sharp, clear, focused and then make good decisions maybe at crunch time, end of a game, three-point shot in basketball or that conversion that sort of when you're fatigued at 80 minutes in a rugby game, stay calm, clear, focused, it helps you with that as well. And then, as you alluded to before, some of the compounds in the drink are really beneficial with blood flow, as I said, not only to the muscles but also to the brain, crosses the blood-brain barrier, allow looks after the endothelium, which is the lining of the blood vessels in the brain, and this means that you can get, it just helps get with that same mood, mental health, it allows people to yeah, perform at their best, stay sharp, stay focused, 
and then also yeah th- things like vitamin C and they help with immunity help you not be sick help you basically practice and train as much as you possibly can and be on the field performing your best as much as you possibly can and I'd imagine it's not just rugby players cricketers golfers um the ones that have their their active sporting careers behind them um and I know and I'm not just saying this because you're here but Thursdays are particularly tough for me like mentally like it's four hour show and and getting to the end and I'll duck out and I'll and I'll I'll neck one Mm -hmm. um and I'd imagine that you know, if I'm in a rest home or something, it would help me with my crossword. It'd help me with my Sudoku. It, it it does seem to just, it's not transformative like that hit that you might get from Barocca or something like that or or a Alcarnitine or something mm. like that for the gym junkies that know that. It's just like a slight lifting of the fog, you know, a slight foggy brain. Is Am I reading that right? Yeah, well, that's sort of partially why it's designed. Something like caffeine, for example, can really make you feel focused and switched on alert. But there's a trade-off there where sometimes you have a bit too much and you, or you have the crash later on to make you a bit jittery. This is designed to make you feel a little bit clearer, a little bit sharper. It can help people improve reaction times, for example, but something like caffeine that improves reaction time, usually there's a trade-off where you lose accuracy. This can help improve re- reaction time as well as accuracy, so it, there's no trade-off. It's right in the middle ground there. It's just something that, yeah, can just daily support. It's nothing that's really massively stimulating the system and then trading off down the track and feeling low or flat, affecting your mental health, making you feel tired or exhausted. So it's designed to fit in that middle ground. We're talking to Sam Dodd from Arepa. Um, they are, it is the brain drink. They've got two types. Um, I prefer the slightly the slightly fizzy one. And I don't like, you know, you go to a restaurant and they say, do you want tap or sparkling? But I always just go tap because I don't like sparkling drinks. But this isn't hugely sparkly, so I like, and it's not quite as rich as the other one, mm-hmm. I find, uh, quite a bit more palatable for me. What are the difference between the two um, ingredients-wise and goals-wise? Sure. So the still one, the performance one, is more designed for that cognitive boost, really as more of a pick-me-up that's for... Yeah, improving focus, improving cognition. The light sparkling version has a little bit less of the black currant, which is one of the active ingredients, but it is going to have this increased level of L-theanine, which is the compound that helps you with that. L-juice. Yeah, calm, clear, <laughs> focus. That's that's what that. So one's more for just being focused, relaxed, and that sort of flow state that people talk about. The other performance ones a bit sturdier. It's more for, okay, I want to perform at my best right now. I've got a job interview in 20 minutes. I've got a stressful meeting coming up. I'm about to go to a big sports game. I really want to perform now. That's the kind of 20, 30 minutes before a big event. You want to consume that one. Mm. How long has it been around? Uh, good question. The idea's been around for about 10 years. The co-founder, Angus Brown, he had the idea about 10 years ago. It's been on the market for about four or five. That just shows how much initial thought and sort of investment mm. into the science and doing everything the right way up front scientifically. That's was the whole idea behind it. Make sure they do that first and then formulate it properly so that when we start selling it, we know that it's actually benefiting people. It's doing all good stuff and there's no downside to it. And it's not going to be one of those fad drinks that come and go from the marketplace because I guess you make, you take the pain to do the research and make yeah. sure you've got the good stuff in there um, and it's not going to become unfashionable, is it? Yeah, well, clinical research is time-consuming and very expensive, but... Now that we've done it, we've now got the ball rolling. We've got about 10 clinical trials underway now. It takes a lot of time to get to that point, but it gives us a lot of certainty and confidence in the product. And the primary purpose of the whole product is to help people's brains function better, help people feel good mentally, physically. So 
it's satisfying to know the science has been done and now we can go out and sell it and feel, feel really confident and really happy that we're selling a product that is really making a difference to people's lives. We are listening to Sam Doddy's neuroscientist with Arepa. Um, I really want to talk to him about the the prevalence of concussion in our sporting uh, fields that we're seeing at the moment, people being laid low from it. Some of our highest profile athletes um, have suffered from it. Um, even current players like Tom Robinson, like James Broadhurst, like Dane Coles, all of these guys, Bowden Barrett's had a stint, Richie McCaw, Kieran Reid, they've all had turns at this concussion. I want to drill down on that. We're going to take a break. If you've got any questions you want to text in, Temper Bed Post Text Machine, you know the number, double eight double three. Any questions for our neuroscientists? If there's anyone out there, I mean, early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, um, Text in, chuck your questions at us. Um, anything you'd like to know that he might be able to help you with. Double eight, double three. We'll be back after a break. Welcome back in. We are talking to neuroscientist uh, Sam Dodd. Um, good chat during the break. Uh, <laughs> got some questions coming. Okay, uh, from Dave to our neuroscientist. Just wondering, what are the recommended brain foods? Um, I know of fish and nuts, etc. What are good brain foods? A good way to look at it that probably makes it a bit easier is that anything that's good for your heart tends to be good for your brain. So anything good for your heart, again, helps with the lining of the blood vessels, supports blood flow to the brain, and that's important for all the nutrients in there, everything. So all your heart foundation products with that tick, they'll tend to be good for the brain as well. And he's right in saying that oily fish like salmon and tuna particularly good. They've got a compound in them called DHA, which is... 60% of your brain's made up of fat, and of that 60% of fat, 90% is DHA. So wow. the more salmon you can get into the diet, the better. And then, yeah, nuts, things with omega-3s, those healthy fats are really important. And then on top of that, it's just, I mean, everyone knows it's your stock standard of vegetables, fruits, nothing in too much excess. Cut down on the alcohol as much as you can. It's more just for consistency, I think, and then having the awareness of a few things, yeah, like your salmon, your oily fishes, your nuts, some things that people don't eat as much of as they could. Be very helpful. Concussion's been in the spotlight f- oh, for far too long now. Um, gosh, it's such a big topic. It is such a big topic. Uh, let's just start with: is enough being done in the preventative space in sport? I think it, it, it's hard because it's just the nature of some sports, and a lot of the players there. They're living in the here and now, as you mentioned to me in the break. They're doing this now. They love the sport. And I think a lot of them are prepared to deal with the consequences, but they don't know how severe, extreme or debilitating it's going to be down the track and how they're going to feel, you know, when they're 50, 60 years old and the effects it has on not only them but their family as well. So I think the awareness around it is great now, but there probably is more that can be done, but it's a tough one where there's a lot of give and take with the entire dynamic of how some sports work. It can be quite unavoidable. So the more we can be conscious of it and the more the research continues to happen in the background of ways we can, if someone has taken some bad knocks, maybe slow down the onset of some of these symptoms and things like that. It's looking promising, but yeah, if only it could happen quicker and quicker because it's it's scary watching people deal with the fallout of major head knocks from playing sport. Cumulative concussions, is, is that a thing? If you're knocked out, like a bad concussion, is it a lighter collision will knock you out? each time and then as it goes on I mean I heard I think it was James Graham played for the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs in the NRL he reckons he'd had a hundred concussions and he's just said he's got early onset dementia and he's 
36 or 7, 100 concussions scares the bejesus out of me. So are you more prone every time you have one? Yes and no. Some people will then just get knocked out much more easily. Not for everyone, but regardless of whether or not you're more prone to getting knocked out, the cumulative damage is a very real thing. And it's it's still a little bit of an unknown. It just varies person to person. Sometimes a major head knock doesn't have the same effect as on someone as a few smaller ones that don't meet the threshold for people to be aware that, wow, I've had a major concussion. A lot of it can happen in the background, and it does vary a lot person to person, but there is a strong correlation with the more severe the impact, the more damage that happens, the more likely it is to then lead to symptoms and to some neurological issues down the track. Is the brain a regenerative organ? Can it fully repair itself? It can't always fully repair itself. There's some damage that's irreparable and some damage in certain areas is more of an issue than others. But the guy that I worked for actually, Sir Richard Ford, at the uh, Centre for Brain Research just up at the Grafton campus in Auckland Uni there, he was actually the first man in the world to discover that there are stem cells in the brain that then could lead to the brain regenerating. For a while, people thought that you were just born with a fixed number of neurons <coughs> and then you lost them as you went along. People would come up and <laughs> tap you on the head at school and say, there's 100 neurons gone and you'll never get them back. But you can, the, bla- the brain is plastic. There's a term neuroplasticity, which underlies all of learning and cognitive function. That's how you form new memories and get better at certain skills and basically perfect your art and craft if you're a sportsman or a music- musician or artist or whatever so the brain is plastic and can regenerate some ways and you can support that again by consuming the right foods and exercise and sunlight and all of those good things will help put you in a position where you can grow more neurons do it more quickly and be more plastic and more flexible to rebounding from trauma to the head what about non-concussion brain issues like Dementia, early onset dementia or dementia full stop. Um, we talked that you'd done some work in strokes. Uh, Alzheimer's, uh, these brain, I don't know if you call them conditions or illnesses or what the official term is. Um, after a stroke, after diagnosis Alzheimer's, after diagnosis of dementia, can you slow, you probably can't stop it, but can you slow the progression by doing the right things? For sure. Uh, they have... So they've got different mechanisms. For example, stroke, the um, pine bark extract that I mentioned before in our drinks, again, helps with that blood flow to the brain. In something like a stroke, blood vessels have been blocked or have burst and been damaged, and that leads to some death of some of the tissue. But if you can improve the health of the blood vessels, get more blood into the site, more oxygen to the site, it can help some of the tissue rebound. And also some of these diseases lead to a state of inflammation in the brain, and there's a lot of strong anti-inflammatory compounds that are in the drink or in things like the... Uh, oily fish that we talked about in nuts that can help you bounce back from that and we're actually currently doing some work with Dementia Australia in conjunction with the University of Wollongong looking at the ability of our drink and specifically a compound in them called anthocyanins which have already been shown to slow down loss of memory and loss of cognitive function in a cohort with mild to severe dementia sorry moderate to severe dementia and now we're bringing that back one step further we're looking at people with mild cognitive impairment which as a precursor to dementia and seeing if consuming our product and the high levels of these compounds in them can, again, as you said, you're not going to cure it, but you might push back the deficits by five years. You might get five more healthy years of functioning at your best at work or with your family, hanging out with your kids and friends and things like that. So, again, the, the purpose of the product is to give people as many years, as many days of healthy, optimal brain function as possible. Could there be a time in the future that Arepa bring out a 
post-stroke drink because you need more of the pine bark, a post-dementia um, diagnosis drink because you need more of that. Um, it sounds like it, I'm all about natural. I'm all. I, I don't want chemicals. I'm happy with amino acids and compounds that occur naturally and I feel like that's the path that you guys are on um, you're talking about you're doing some stuff with dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff but you're not going to go to market until you're absolutely locked in you, you could end up in maybe a decade with a range um, recipe written for the condition needed Absolutely. There's already discussions around getting into pharmacies and expanding the range to target specific disorders or specific situations, people with stress, anxiety. We already serve that purpose, but we're in a position where we're doing research that allows us to understand what's in it, how it's absorbed, how it has, how we can sort of tailor things to create the maximum effect in a certain population. There's some quite exciting, fairly confidential, under wraps sort of research happening right now that where we're looking at certain compounds and how we can maybe vary, fluctuate the levels of them that allow us, as you said, to target, okay, here's a neurological disorder, let's craft something so those people can benefit maximally from it. So that is underway and happening. It's quite exciting, sort of, watch the space stuff at the moment. A couple more questions to come in. Someone's mentioning how you talked about there was a special black currant with a special ingredient, and they're saying is that the same as honey, like the manuka honey, has special properties that the other honeys don't. Is that is that what you were talking about? For sure, yeah. That's. I mean, it's another. Everyone who lo- lives in New Zealand loves New Zealand, and there's so many great. There's so many upsides to it. Another prime example is a lot of the black currants that we source have more of these anthocyanins, more vitamin C. They're antioxidants that, due to our climate, the lack of pollution, more UV light comes through and actually hits the black currants, and as a defence mechanism, they produce these antioxidants. Mm. And then when we consume them, we get extra benefits from them. So there's that, and there's also we realise that we know what's in them that has the benefit. We know kind of the dosage that we need to provide. So then we're starting to look at how can then we maybe take it to the next step and try and maybe breed things, maybe tailor them so that we can get black currants that are optimally beneficial. Awesome. Another question here, uh, Staffy, if you please, ask how you begin the process of checking if you have CTE. That's a great question. That's more for a medical specialist. There are a lot of symptoms that people would start to notice, which are common in a lot of people, but it's just your standard. You're feeling a, you're feeling a bit foggy, lethargic, chronic fatigue, things like that are often warning signs. But I think a lot of people are aware if they've taken a few head knocks, you definitely should go in, see a specialist, and they'll most likely put you through some sort of scan. And often you can see just slight changes in area, certain areas of the brain, particularly where that where it happens first, and they'll be able to diagnose it that way but yeah there's a lot of symptoms of just feeling a bit flat fatigued just kind of foggy that uh, little warning signs indications so Arepa they're, they're not claiming to be the elixir for eternal life it's just improving what you've got um, no doubt you'll have a website I'm just wondering now we're getting the questions come flooding through um, I'm just going to have a look at the script can we go after the news Sam we can keep going after the news yeah he says yeah so Let's let's just take a break for the news. Can you hang around just for another five, ten minutes? Absolutely. Okay, because uh, the questions are starting to come in. Um, if you've got questions, double eight, double three. Let's take a break right now. New sport and weather. We'll be back uh, with Brain Man, the Aripa Man, after this. We are talking to... 
Look, it's more than a drink, and I've learnt that over the last half hour. It's called Arepa. Uh, it appears in our fridge from time to time. It doesn't last long because I grab it uh, just for a little bit of mental clarity. I've learnt so much more about everything that's in there, and Sam Dodd is the neuroscientist that's linked himself to it. Um, some questions, as I mentioned, just for the news have come in. Staffy, can you ask, uh, this is from George, if you've had major head trauma, how long before it gets better? Well, whether or not it gets, it's, that's obviously again on a spectrum that fluctuates, changes person to person. But as we mentioned before, the brain's plastic, the brain can grow new cells, it can rebound. So the sooner you start doing the right things and taking action, the brain will start changing. How long it takes for the symptoms to improve and to what extent they improve is a little bit of unknown. It does change person to person, but you can put yourself in a position where you maximise your potential to get better and so those symptoms will improve. They could Some changes will start happening in the brain immediately if you're doing the right things to it and they can continue to keep changing as long as you keep supporting it. The symptoms should follow to some extent. To what extent, it's a little bit of unknown, but you can change the brain. You can change the architecture, the structure of it. So the sooner you get on to treating your brain well and looking after it and being healthy, the better, really. I've just had to do a quick Google. Because <laughs> some I'll, I'll read the question. My question is, has he completed any research on the health benefits of humic and fulvic acids, which is a naturally which is naturally formed from Martin. Uh, during the news, I asked him if he knew what they were. So humic acid is a group of molecules that bind to and help plant roots receive water and nutrients. And the other one, <laughs> yeah, Sam says he uses it on his own, and fulvic acid is a chemical compound that's formed when microorganisms and soil break down plant materials over long periods of time. The short answer is no, you haven't. We haven't done any research on them. No, I'm not entirely familiar with the compounds, but there are a lot of different acids that are found in plants and can confer health benefits, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some benefits there. In blackcurrants, for example, there are phenolic acids, which are a range of compounds that are responsible for a lot of these antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, which are what's in there that helps support your long-term brain health as your brain uses energy and it creates oxidative stress in an environment where there's a bit of a imbalance so consuming antioxidants help basically again slow down that aging process slow down the damage that occurs with just natural healthy aging one from richard i'd like to know if you have a product for sleep or some ideas surrounding that issue at this we're actually in the process of thinking about a sleep formulation there is a little bit of evidence out there for sleep especially with l-theanine which is one of the three key ingredients l-theanine is again what helps put you into that calm relaxed state it's anti-stress anti-anxiety so if you have any of those issues, they can really... So that's this, uh, the brain drink for calm and clarity, it's that yeah, one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so the L-theanine in there. If you if you can kind of reduce stress and anxiety, then obviously that's going to help people get to sleep and stay asleep. There's some evidence out there that we don't necessarily help you get to sleep, but it helps with the quality of sleep. So a lot of athletes use it. For example, if they've got to jump on a plane after a game, they've only got four or five hours of sleep. If you can increase the quality of the sleep, in the limited time you have to sleep, then that's a win. So getting people to this calm, relaxed state can help put them to bed. It's a drink that you can use to focus, but you can use it in the evening, and it'll still allow you to go to sleep. So there's some evidence there for sleep, but even if it isn't super strong, it's a good alternative to something like caffeine because you can't really, most people can't have a coffee at 9 p.m. when they no. do a little bit of study or work and then go to sleep. So you can have this drink, and it's not going to um, affect your ability to go to sleep at all. If anything, it'll probably help help you sleep and maybe help with improve the quality of the sleep. 
From Dave, can the body only absorb so much, therefore there is no point in continually drinking it? 100% correct, yeah. It's like with anything, moderation is always good, but we've the research we've done shows that a lot of the compounds stay around in the body, for some of them up to eight hours, some of them the time scale is a little bit shorter, but up to the four hour sort of window. We've worked out in conjunction with Professor Scully that there would be no point consuming more than four in a day. Mm. Most people wouldn't do more than a, consume more than about two. Something at one in the morning to kind of help you kick into gear and focus, and then often people like to use one in the afternoon just to avoid your classic three thirty slump. Right when my show's on, <laughs> I can <laughs> attest to that. Uh, one says here, why is Arepa better than other products on the market that claim to do the same? It's a great question. That's kind of what I alluded to before with how we've spent the time up front doing the clinical research, studying things like how much is absorbed, when's it absorbed, what effect does that have. It means that we can work out what dose is required to be in there, how much of a compound do we need. And a lot of products we see that try to sort of copy, or maybe not copy, but just end up with similar products in there. Some of them have a tenth of the dose of mm. something like L-theanine, or they've got black currants that are sourced from somewhere that means they don't have the same number of bioactives in there. So we do the research that allows us to work out how much does a human body need to consume to then actually get the maximum benefits out of it. So it's that time up front with the rigorous science that allows us to incorporate the right quantities. Is there a way that people can get in touch with you guys if they've got a question or want some advice? 100%. Uh, if you go on our website, which is just www.drinkartipa.com, then you can get in touch with us on there. There are a range of email addresses you can fire through. You can get in touch with me that way. And, yeah, we're happy to answer any questions. We've got a great support team there that will, whatever you want to know, they'll put you in touch with the right person. We can answer scientific questions. We can send you through kind of data and supporting evidence and things like that. So we're more than happy to answer any questions. All the bases covered there, team. And we had a flurry of questions there towards the end. So www.drinkarepa.com. I thought I, I asked that question hoping you'd say yes, you can get in touch. And so you can get in touch. Uh, there's a decent crew there. And in my short time just speaking with Sam here, um, they welcome questions. They wel- welcome helping people. Um, no commitment, no nothing. And finally, someone's just said, where do we get this stuff? You can get it at basically every single supermarket in the country. You can buy it online. You can buy it in other select sort of cafes and health and wellness stores. And it's it's in more and more stores as sort of the weeks go by. So basically every single supermarket, you'll find it. Brilliant. Sam, really appreciate you coming in, mate. Uh, it's been really helpful and opened my mind, um, foggy as it is sometimes. <laughs> you <laughs> and me both. <laughs> but, yeah, but less so in the future. Thanks for coming in. Good awesome. to catch up. Thanks, Daffy. Appreciate it. Cheers. There we are. Do you want to do the vault next, Sammy? Should we do the vault next? Okay, tease. Just hang about there, Sam, or your chair will squeak. We're going to play the vault Fifth, no, $100 TAB bonus bet to give away. We had our first contestant on Friday. Seven questions. Couldn't unlock the sporting moment that's locked in Sammy's vault. You get five questions today. 0800 150 811 is our number. If you want to play the vault, nab the hundy. Answer, can you crack the vault? <sighs> yes. Sis and Dave, I've got your questions. About the arepa, I'll do it after the vault. I've asked Sam, and he's told me the answers, so I'll do it after. You the haven't vault. asked me though. You've asked the, the other. other Sam, the brain Sam. Sam. Yeah, brain who man. was brought in by Sam. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sam, There's Sam far too many Sams in this uh, in this particular work environment, but that's all right. Let's bring us back up to speed with the vault, Sam. Where are we at? 
well, we had seven questions on Friday. And I've got them here. Yeah, you do. Um, so we've got Tim from Christchurch on the line, and he's got five questions today. He can ask for two of, two of Fridays. Friday's ones at random, but he might have an idea already. Do you think? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out, Tim. Hello, Tim. How are we going, Lance? Good, Tim. Good, Tim. Did you listen in on Friday and hear those seven questions? No, I didn't. Okay, right. Well, okay. the first thing for you is you can say numbers one through seven. You can pick two of them, and I'll tell you what the questions and the answer were, and then you'll get five yes-no questions to figure out what's locked in the vault. Right. Um, all right, well, I'll go number two and number six. Two and six. Right, number two. Is it a sport played by men? The answer was yes. Mm. Question six. Uh, I will point out, it didn't say only me. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I was going to say that's a stupid question. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the other one? Uh, was it 2006 or earlier? The answer was yes. So it's a sport played by men, not exclusively, but they do play it. And it is 2006 or earlier. Now you get five yes no's to unlock the vault and maybe and so I'm just looking and so I'm just looking for an event am I it's a sporting event a sporting moment it's uh, it's very similar to our sort of what happens next you know it's it's a piece of audio of iconic audio basically iconic sporting audio so you can just ask yes no questions to narrow it down and after so I've told you those two you get five more and then you can have a guess and if you don't get it, it jackpots to 150 tomorrow. So hit us, hit us with your yes/no questions. Okay. Um, is it is it um, is it after 1990? After 1990. Sam. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So there you go. We've got a 16-year span. <laughs> okay. Is it? Um, does it involve a male athlete? Yes, it does. Involve a male athlete. Nice. Yes, it does. Um, is, it a, is it a New Zealand athlete? New Zealand athlete. Tim, it is not a New Zealand athlete. Oh! Okay. Which eliminates a lot of answers that came through last week. Well, we... There we go. Okay. Um, two more. How many have we got here? Two more. Um, is it, uh, does it involve a medal? A medal? Mm. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> Any type of medal? A medal. Yeah, like a medal, you know, like a... Bronze, silver, or gold. I do get you, but are we talking Olympic or are we just talking a medal in general? Oh, Sam. A medal in general? No, it doesn't involve a medal. <laughs> 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 I'm a hard man to please, Steph. What a tosser hey? you are, one, You got one more question, Tim, and then you get to have a crack. No pun intended. Um, Just trying to think of some female 
So the question is, you can't is, say. Is this a, is it, yeah. Is it, is it, does this involve, or does this event centre around a team sport? So is it a team sport? No, it is not, Tim. Unfortunately, you've burned a question there as well because that was asked on Friday. So there are your five steps. You want to run through the answers so quickly? Is it a, so, the two, so what we do know now is it's between 1990 and 2006. Um, it does involve a male athlete that is not a New Zealander and it does not involve a medal and it is not a team sport. Good luck having a wild throw of a javelin in, into Lake Taupo trying to hit a trout. It's worth a shot, Tim. I thought it didn't involve the male. I thought it was a female. No, no, it does, does, it yes, does involve, involve a male. Involve a male athlete, yes. Right. Um, okay. Um, uh, I'm winning gold medal at the... Oh, no, I've already here. I don't know. No, I've got no idea. <laughs> I feel, hey, I feel like you were going down the right path there. Rob Waddell winning a gold medal. Was that 2000? Sydney? Steph? Yeah, but didn't, didn't we say that it doesn't, doesn't involve, involve a medal? Involve a medal. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. My bad, Tim. <laughs> well, is, do we lock, are, we, are, we lock, are we confirming that as his guest, though, Steph? Was it, the words were coming out of his mouth? Are we, are yeah, we, we're just locking yeah. Rob Waddell uh, Rob Waddell wins some sort of rowing event. We'll put that into the, into the vault combination. I've got a new guess. Access denied. Oh, no. It's not the one, unfortunately, Tim. But I know what you're doing. You're just making it even more tasty for everyone. Not tomorrow, Steph, because we've got Chase tomorrow. Thursday, 150. 150, Tim. Of the big ones. Thanks for having a crack, bud. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, mate. Tim, out across you. So we've had 12 questions. In fact, we've had 11. Double up. Double up on the team sport. I no. think we sh- I feel like we should offer something for someone who does get it. If they got it on the first, like, seven questions or, you know, we should offer some sort of reward for someone getting it early. Because uh, that's a good achievement if you did get it after seven. Although, maybe I'm being Cause soft you- because when we did the practice out here on each other, seven to ten was the sort of average yeah, that we was. needed. But, you know, you can't expect every listener – to listen every day and hear every question. That's well, the other thing. speak for yourself, Steph, to be honest. So all of those guesses that are coming in the last 48 hours, Sam, they were all, does it involve uh, which one, a New Zealand athlete? No. Mm, that's wrong. That'll throw a pit for you. All people. you Michael Campbell guesses are gone. Oh, you shouldn't have said that because what if someone was going to say that on Thursday? Well, they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> if they heard that, they know it's not. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, 150 big ones. I think personally, I don't think we're that close to it. I think we could be looking at a at a two hundred Friday. I've got a new one. Oh, hang on, no, I haven't. Oh, I always try and fashion my guess because I've got the privilege of seeing all twelve questions in front of me. We will get there. We'll get there. A little tip for you if you are listening now, Steph. If you're listening now and you want to take part on Thursday, just jump back on the podcast channel and just have a listen to the last to the two, two or volts. three days. Yeah, Good the last idea. two and just get. And while you're there. Have a listen to some of the other ones, and don't forget to subscribe. Where? Apple, Spotify, or wherever, wherever you get, get your podcasts. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got some good texts. I've got a couple of questions for our neuroscientist, which I did put to him before he vacated. I'll get to those other text messages right after this. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
live from the SENZ studios in Auckland. This is the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree. Just when you thought we'd forgotten about it. Oh, shame on you. We've got two although, more matchups. Although it has been flying under the radar today. We've just got two left. Two more matchups, people. Four contestants remaining who will make it through to the Sweet 16, which gets underway tomorrow. <laughs> Proper. The two matchups we've got for you today. You've got an hour to vote on these staff on double eight double three. The first one is in the east with Fonzie, the fifteenth seed, going up against Hawkeye Pierce, oh. the eighteenth seed, right in the middle of the uh, of the rankings. There, that's a that's a tough matchup. The squeeze box. This has got overtime written all over. That's it. That's a squeeze box, as you would say. Uh, and then in the west. 16th seeded Walter White mm. he'll be looking to cook up something special <laughs> against Colonel Steve Austin Oh, ranks 19 6 million dollar man mm. alright so text through 883 one of Fonzie or Hawkeye and then Walter White or 6 million I think uh, oh, sorry Meth Inks Walter White's going to win that one Steph, do you? Yeah, you want to sway them already? I tell you, there are some massive Steve Austin fans. Bionic legs, one arm, and an eye. Oh, get your text votes through. Fonzie, is he a, is he a cyborg? Is he? Oh, he's a six million dollar man. Huh. We can we rebuild him? We have the technology. That was the little boiler, and the boss was Oscar. Fonzie or Hawkeye, Walter or six million. They are the choices that go through to the 316, which commences tomorrow. News time. Get your motor running. Yes, there we go. Born to be wild. Um, the FIFA Women's World Cup is coming south. Southern Hemisphere. Uh, joining us now is a very widely world-respected uh, journalist on all things FIFA Women's World Cup. <laughs> she actually works with us, and but a good football player in her own right, Casey Berry. You've been a professional football player, don't lie. You've, been, you've played over in Europe, and you've played in the States. Champions League footballer. But my big question is... And I have to be careful framing this. I know how big a deal the Women's World Cup is. That, that Huge. Why is the draw such a monumental event that they would bring 600 delegates from FIFA to draw marbles out of a bowl? Yours. Look, it makes it real. You know, you know you're going to the World Cup if you've qualified so far. Um, there's only three teams we're waiting on. But it, once you know who you're playing, it... It makes it just that much more real. The excitement becomes, you know, I know that I'm now playing Norway instead of, oh, you know, we have a game on the 20th of July. Um, it's the first time the tournament's been um, moved from 2014 to 32, so it's the biggest Women's World Cup uh, we'll ever have. So, um, yeah, I mean, they fly all the delegates in from all of the countries around the world that are competing. Um, so you've got your coaches from all the nations and um, other representing. I guess all their presidents and their chairpersons and all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they watch it all unfold and, uh, yeah, the the buzz and the excitement and the anxious energy in the air was definitely palpable on Saturday night. So you got to go there. 
Yes, yeah, very lucky to um, have had that opportunity. And just it was kind of like the who's who in women's football. Everyone around was was somebody, really. I had to kind of keep my fangirl to a minimum because I was representing the media. Um, but it was quite a cool thing to be a part of, absolutely. Um, the draw was made. How have the football fans fared in the draw? To be honest, if New Zealand's ever going to advance out of their group, this is the time. Um, they obviously have the 12th man of you know, playing at the home, their home field advantage. Um, but they have Norway, who will definitely be their toughest competition, but they've played them recently and lost 2-0. Um, the Philippines, which should be on paper, they're guaranteed three points. Not guaranteed, but that's where they'll look to get the win. And then Switzerland is a match that could go either way. You'd hope that they could at least pull a draw out, um, but a win, win would be nice. Um, They'd probably need a draw to progress, right? Yeah, they would, and then maybe try to grab a goal off of Norway um, to get through on goal differential. But, uh, yeah, they haven't ever won a game in the Women's World Cup, so they need to do that first. (laughs) Obviously by the accent, American, um, and you were almost, no, you were the happiest when you heard (laughs) that America was drawn in the pool that's going to play in New Zealand. So apart from yourself being joyful, yep. this is great for local football fans that the USA are playing in New Zealand. 100%. Um, I know it's hard as a New Zealander to kind of wrap your mind around the um, how big this tournament is, but for the US, because we've had success in the past, the nation rallies around and they travel. So I think um, Auckland in particular, because they have two out of their three group matches, but it will be filled with... The red, white, and blue, for better or worse. Uh, Ricardo chatted to Alexi on Saturday night, and he said, we're coming, so get ready. <laughs> Are we going to have to get our minuscule Air Force to fly low level over Eden Park with red, right, and blue smoke <laughs> trails behind the, behind the you planes? Might have, you might not have a choice. But yeah. um, Scott's just texted in saying, my daughter is so pumped that the USA are coming here. So there you go. So, but, like The young girls that play football, they know... They're trailblazing the U.S. women's football team. They've um, they are setting a platform, but the chasing pack are getting closer. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a massive opportunity for New Zealand to kind of capitalize on having this talent here at home. Uh, the U.S. hosted in '99, where we won, um, and I remember as a ten-year-old sitting there and watching, and was just inspired beyond belief to try to chase those dreams. And when you see it happen, it feels that much more more tangible. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's a really exciting time. I hope um, yeah a lot of the girls come out and the U.S. back to back defending World Cup champs. They'll be hoping to go for three. But yeah, the rest of the world is definitely catching up, and a lot of questions are being asked of the U.S. at the moment, um, having lost their last two friendly matches. The first time that's happened in five years. So yeah, they everyone else is coming. Um, so they're going to have to answer answer to the challenge for sure. It's a massive. Uh, financial transaction FIFA World Cups a lot of expenditure but a lot of benefit for the host nations and I read an article this morning saying Dunedin was going to benefit in a roundabout way by 10 million New Zealand dollars what do FIFA inject into hosts? Yeah it's um, there's a lot of financial gain uh, that 
New Zealand will benefit from for having the tournament here. Like the local clubs here in Auckland alone, um, I know a lot of the teams that were drawn into New Zealand spent the last couple of days going around the different local clubs and viewing the facilities. And FIFA's putting about $20 million into wow. all of these clubs' changing rooms and facilities in general to make them up to the standard that they need to be to host a, a World Cup team. Um, I'm quite involved with Western Springs, and they had the U.S. delegation around yesterday, and um, one of the administration was telling me, you know, they're the crown jewel, but they're also the most work. Um, they bring in, like, their full gym, and they want to do X, Y, and Z with this field and that field. But, um, of course, you say yes because you want to host the U.S. So, <laughs> so But FIFA pay? Yeah, yeah. They, they pay and they, they have the designs of what they're going to do to each locker room, the changes they're going to make. And, and yeah, so it's, it's an awesome boost for all the local clubs who probably don't have the money from the council or even from like the youth fees to make any of that happen. So, yeah, it's a game-changing um, situation to have the tournament here. That's so cool that um, some club is going to miss out. Was it just like, pick us, please, <laughs> pick us, we need new dressing rooms. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that process worked, but... I think the majority of clubs that are up to a certain standard at the moment uh, were considered and were being shown to all of the delegations over the weekend. We've got the Rugby World Cup on in New Zealand at the moment. Once Rugby World Cup, uh, ticket price is incredibly um, affordable. Um, we were going to talk to you between two and three, but you said, no, Steph, I've got to get online. The tickets go on sale at two o'clock. Um, and I just ran out and you've got them. Uh, talk to us about pricing to go and watch this. Yeah, um, happy girl. Um, before the tickets went on sale today for the individual games, they had um, stadium passes available. Um, a few friends and I purchased a Eden Park pass, Category 2, so it wasn't the cheapest, it wasn't the most expensive. For nine matches, we paid $360, uh, which 40 is... 40 bucks a match. Unreal, which Jeez. is what I would have expected to pay for the final, and I just bought tickets to the final and 120 bucks. Um, you could go, I think, for as cheap as maybe even 80 um, and then, yeah, the U.S.-Netherlands, we just secured that group stage game as well, and that was 40 bucks for the best ticket. So it's super affordable, um, really encouraging people to get out there, but that's how you would hope sport would be. You know, I feel like a lot of um, big games in any sport these days kind of price people out, especially families. You know, you take a family of four to a game, and you're looking at $1,000 an outing, you know, if you're getting food and travel and all of that. So, yeah, super affordable, and, yeah, hope that um, it gets – people to the games and you mentioned it's first time it's been in the southern hemisphere it's going to be one of those events that sneaks up on us um realistically when it's here and when it's on how big a footprint i know world footprint massive how big a footprint do you think it'll make in new zealand when it's on and it's here yeah, it'll be it'll be massive. It's kind of hard to put into words, and and to be honest, I don't know if it's something I've experienced before. I was lucky to go to the the final in 2015 in Canada, um, but was really only there surrounding the couple of days of the final, so wasn't there when the bulk of the the crowd was there. Um, but even then, the excitement was it was palpable, and I think just having that tournament here spread across. New Zealand, um, but having Auckland have a major piece of it, like we'll feel it. People will be everywhere. Um, it'll be a, like a massive injection into the economy after COVID. And yeah, just getting, just seeing people from other places and wearing different jerseys. And yeah, the restaurants will be busy and uh, the viaduct will be buzzing, but it'll be a really, really cool atmosphere. Finally, um, you have played in Europe. So will we see 
Spanish fans, Italian fans, British fans descending on New Zealand like like we do for when the Lions rugby tour comes here, when the World Cup was here. Are we going to see that same sort of thing? 100%. 100%. The game is growing massively in Europe at the moment. Um, the US just played England and to a 76,000-person crowd that sold out in, in hours. Um, I was just online before, and the final in Sydney has already, um, it's on low availability. So, yeah, you'll see people come from all over. Like I said, the U.S. will travel um, massively over here. So you'll see a red, lot of red, white, and blue. You'll see Spanish fans. Yeah, everybody will come and support their nations for sure. It's it's massive, international. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. massive in America. Like when I was talking to you about <laughs> it, like you know people that are coming, right? Yeah, for sure. I have friends that I was speaking to over the weekend that are that are booking their flights. And yeah, they're fingers crossed for New Zealand, actually. They were hoping the U.S. was drawn um, on that side of the, the bracket. So yeah, everyone's stoked. Favorite to win it is who? Oh, I'm quite a bit biased, Steph. Oh, um, no, you can't do that in broadcasting. You, you <laughs> oh, leave, sorry, yeah, sorry. Leave your bias I haven't outside. actually been formally trained. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, for the game, it'd be awesome to see a US England final. They wouldn't see each other until until that championship oh, match they in can't Sydney. Play each other till nah. the final. Yeah. Um, so that would be like yeah, the golden ticket. I think FIFA would love to see that as well. Defending champions versus defending um, European champions. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got, yeah, England, the U.S., France, Germany, Spain, but they've got some issues going on in their camp at the moment. But, no, I'd, I'd like to say U.S., England. All right, Casey, with appreciate. With the U.S. taking the Appreciate the your win. time for jumping in. Pleasure chatting. Absolutely. Thanks, Steph. Oh, appreciate very, it. Very excited. FIFA Women's World Cup coming to a stadium near you. Jump online, get your tickets because they will go. Like, get some Kiwis in there because the uh, international visitors will snap them up. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a moment. What a weekend. In fact, what a year. What a decade. What a sesqui of golf it's been for New Zealand. But particularly uh, just this weekend, I was glued to my TV watching the wonderful Lydia Ko. In fact, it's on again now. The replay is on again now. Winning the BMW in uh, the country of her birth in Korea. And it was a very emotional day for her. And uh, joining us on the show just to talk through golf and the situation that it's in in New Zealand is the High Performance Manager of Golf New Zealand. His name's Greg Thorpe. He joins us now. G'day, Greg. Hi, how are you? Very well. Do you get, like, I know you work in golf, but you're a sports fan, you're a Kiwi. Do you get as much delight out of watching the likes of Lydia win these tournaments as the average punter? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'd probably uh, like to think even more so. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly my, my role is in golf, but um, very much my life has been in golf. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty thrilling to see not just Lids, but, but everyone over the last weekend do so well. But like you say, it's been a great year as well. Yeah, it has. Like Steve Elker just blows me away with what he's doing and it's top quality fields, um, former major winners, and he, he's just got it on a string. What What's the key to Steve Elker, do you think? Is it is He's kept his body fit? What is it? Yeah, I think that's um, primarily the case. You know, like the, the fact is with the seniors too, I think the guys that are just turning 50 do have a leg up if they've kept themselves fit, and, and he certainly did. He kept playing through his through his 40s and leading up uh, up to that transition. So he was he was you know he was playing with the young fellas who were hitting at a mile past him, but stepping up into that world, he was um, certainly match fit, ready to go, and he's making the most of it. We've talked a lot about Ryan Fox. Uh, I think potentially in the best um, consistent piece of form we've seen in him for probably 
what would it be, the last three or so months? Was it the Scottish Open that he won before the British Open? And ever since then, he's been going great guns too. Yeah, I mean, Foxy continues to step up each year and, um, you know, he's a, he's a great player to watch because it's, it's um, uh, you know, he brings something to golf that perhaps other people don't with the way he hits it, the, the distance he hits it. It's, it's, it's call it swashbuckling golf. Yes. Um, but when he's on, he's dangerous. Look, that, that last round, he'll be disappointed to let that um, last round just slip away on a little bit. But what a, what a, what a cool uh, weekend and, um, you know, now, now up well inside the top 50. I think he's about 27 in the world, so just doing so well and, um, each year over the last four or five years, he's progressed each year, so looking for that to continue. I want to talk to you about some of the youngsters out there. I mean, Dan Hilly is probably the highest profile non-major tour player at the moment. It looks like he's, I think he's seventh on the order of merit uh, for the secondary league on, on the European tour, so it looks like he'll get his card next year. He's going great guns. What have we got out there, I guess, between uh, US scholarship type university golfers and then the Ryan Foxes. How many fill that golf sandwich at the moment? Yeah, there's, there's um, I mean, Dan's obviously done very well taking the same route Ryan did through the Challenge Tour. He, he um, cut his teeth last year there, and he's really stepped up this year with a couple of wins and uh, looking like securing his main tour card for next year. But Amelia Garvey's doing much the same over on the Women's Tour. She's been playing the Epsom Tour this year. Um, it didn't quite uh, make it into that that um, sphere where Dan has, but she's made it into the final Q series back in December. So she goes back to um, to play for her LPJ uh, card. So that progression that they're showing going into the feeder tours and then start stepping up into the main tours, it's proving to be a really good pathway for the young players. And of course, we've just um, come off a run of our Charles Tour events back here in New Zealand. Uh, and that's proven um, to be really beneficial for our young amateurs who are playing alongside the likes of Michael Hendry and, and Josh Geary. Uh, with some of our young amateurs uh, competing in, and winning and beating some of those pros. So they'll be looking to make that step in the next year or two. Then we've got some, you know, while there's some that are looking to transition now, we've also got some good juniors that are showing some real promise too. So it, it continues to be exciting times for us in golf. What sort of programs do you have uh, for school-age golfers that might want to push on and make it a career? Yeah, well, we, um, I mean, we have our, our, our national talent development program, and that does capture a number of the school age players. But also, each um, area we have uh, uh, talent development programs or opportunities for developing young talent within the regions. So, a number of events that we put on on our national order of merit. But of course, the regions themselves have their their programs that which we're we're plugged into and, and working away on. And someone's just text through actually asking, uh, could I please ask you, how can how can New Zealand golf help with Danny Lee's progress both physically and mentally towards the game, if at all? Uh, great question. Danny's got his own team around him, so he's he's not looking. Uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't inquired in terms of of how we can help him. But I know he works hard on his game. For those that follow him on social media, uh, you'll see his coaching team around him, and, and he's working away. I know he. He'll be desperate to lift his performance. He, he really enjoys seeing Foxy play well, um, and I'm sure that'll be uh, inspiring him to, to work hard at his game. And um, you know, he's, he's, he's back on the, the PGA Tour this year and be working hard to, um, to climb up that leaderboard. What is your relationship with the likes of Ryan Fox and Danny Lee, these sorts of guys who are, who are pretty much self-employed, run their own business, which just happens to be playing golf? What, what I, I don't imagine there's a contractual-type link, but I know the ties are strong. Yeah, we'd like to think so. The um, Golf New Zealand runs a talent development program, but that's 
primarily targeted at the young um, up-and-coming amateur golfers and then those looking to transition into rookie professionalism. So that was Danny and, and Ryan perhaps 10 years or so ago. Um, then once they do make that move, we have our Olympic campaigns and that, that does allow us to, to remain connected while they do go offshore and, and tend to need to live, whether it's in the US or up over in, in Europe, um, to base themselves there. Um, we just still remain connected through through our relationships with them, the people around them, but but primarily for that um, those Olympic campaigns and, and working towards those every every four years or five years as it was last time, last year. I remember back in my day when I played um, a lot of golf, and there was the. Um there was the much it was they were like the golf mafia they were the tightless squad and they'd arrive in a minivan and there was the likes of Steve Elker and Mark Brown and Sally Herowini Grant Mohit were all in this tightless squad um have you got academies spread out how do you identify you know just sort of towards the end of school maybe early school to keep them engaged and provide the best amateurs um is there such a thing now yeah, and it's, um, you know, that, that program's lived on. That was in the late 80s, early 90s, the establishment of that program with those very players that, showing your age there, of course, but with those very players um, that, that came through that time, that's remained in place um, throughout that time. And when, while they were, you know, it began as a domestic, um, I guess, national academy, uh, the Titleist Academy, it's now very much international, barring the, the COVID years, but we're back travelling internationally. Um, we've actually got seven uh, young men up in Thailand this week uh, playing for the Asian Amateur Championship and, and six of our, our leading amateur woman playing next week for the Women's Amateur Asia Pacific. So um, while they don't perhaps creep around the country in, in vans anymore, they're off uh, playing internationally and taking on their international peers uh, to see where their games are at and to see where the development opportunities are for them. What's the hunger and the appetite and the and the desire amongst our 16, 17-year-olds? Because I'd imagine with scholarships to the US, um, there is a, a pathway over there for them to go and not play 100% of the time, but be in a really good environment. What are the numbers like? There's pros and cons. I mean, the, the, the US pathway, I think for those that are looking to couple up an education with their golfing development, it's a, a fantastic opportunity. And and for those, for the right athletes, that's, that's a great option. Um, for perhaps some of the, the very best young amateurs, they do tend to stay amateur and turn professional um, via um, you know, heading to tour schools rather than via the, the U.S. college system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a you know, horses for courses um, opportunity. Dan Hill is a good example, perhaps, of someone who just went straight from you know, being number one um, amateur in New Zealand, uh, playing some of the, the best golf courses around the world as a, as a leading amateur and being able to transition. So yeah, it's it's very much um, just that case study of one, what's right for that individual athlete. Um, but there's there's opportunities there. The hunger's there. I think you know New Zealand remains across the board. We we love we love competing. We love winning. That's sort of a given. So anyone who jumps into that performance area, um, they all want to do well. So there's there's the hunger there. But of course there's a there's a career in golf. You can see that with Steve Elker. You can toil away and do very well for the past 30 years, and then the opportunities if you stay fit enough are there. You know really deep into a career. So it's Golf's a great game in that regard. And finally, I, I know there was a surge in casual golf during the 18 months, two years of lockdowns because it was one of the leisure activities we were allowed to do. And I think online sales of golf gear was quite strong as well. People, through um, unfortunate circumstances, fell in love with the game again. The casual golfer, what are we seeing behaviourally there? 
well, you're probably getting a little bit out of my remit in terms of um, that the casual golfer world, but but I have kept uh, my eye on it because it has been interesting. I I did wonder if um, as the borders opened up if we might see a drop off there, but in fact we haven't. The the numbers are, we're almost reaching um, peak numbers. I think we're over 132,000 members of golf clubs around New Zealand. The numbers continue to increase, and we're only just coming into spring summer now. So. Um, you know, it's it's looking really strong, and people are uh, the clubs are still in people's hands. Like you say, the online sales are up. Um, people are really enjoying the golf. They're falling back in love with it, which is you know, cool. Just for general participation, people really see the benefits of um, across the board, whether it's social or a um, bit of competitive play. But um, getting out in the sunshine and, and having a hit. Perfect. Yes. Well, I found my way to the driving range for the first time in about eighteen months on Sunday. Me and producer Sammy went out and hit a hundred balls, and it was uh, it's, it's re-wet my appetite as well. I have to get that little steel wall stuff off to get the rust spots off the shaft, though. That's how long it's been since I've been out of the bag. Hey, Greg, uh, fantastic to talk to you. Uh, uh, golf's in a really good heart, and it's making great viewing and. Uh, making a lot of New Zealanders proud with uh, all of our high-performing people around the world. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Greg Thorpe there. He's the high-performance director at Golf New Zealand. Um, we'll take a break for new sport and weather, and uh, stick around, we'll come back. Show you the money. That, that's so cool. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. We'll review Show Me The Money very shortly. You're on Afternoons with Steffi. We do a thing called Show Me The Money, which we will get to. And Afternoons brought to you by Gull, Gull.nz, Fueling Your Mission, all year round. And don't forget we have the Aber Living Caller of the Month. Uh, SCNZ's Caller of the Month, you will win. Cop this, it's a mouthful, but oh my God, it gives you a mouthful. Master Built Gravity Series 560 Digital Charcoal Grill and Smoker. Get a mouthful of that few short ribs why wouldn't you be the caller of the month and you could win that um i've been remiss of me uh Cess asked ages ago is the l-theanine in arepa and caffeine a great combo Cess, i asked him as he left and he said yes it's fantastic <laughs> he drinks three cups of coffee a day himself and the other one was i've lost it here it is is a recommended dose based on weight or age? Great question, Dave. Um, and he he just basically said, your average person, one or two a day. But do go onto their website, drinkarepa.com, and you can ask all of the questions there. All of the questions there. And they'll be happily getting back to you. Right, show me the money, Sam. Show it. I... Um Let's rip into it. Um, show me the money, staff four leg multi that we put together on Friday. Yes, we last did. week. Yes, um, we did. And we were standing to make ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars from a fifty dollar bonus bet. Staff, it all started with a little horse by the name of. Animo. Animo. Animo, who looks destiny in the face at the 150. Animo takes the lead from Zaki. Alligator Blood. I'm Thunderstruck. But it's Animo clear. I'm Thunderstruck late. Animo holding on. Animo this time for the big A. Cops Winner. Late. 240. 240. Lock it in the bank. Show me the money. Mm. Now... From here, it's sort of, I thought, well, it's going to be downhill from here, right? Although Animo, I actually thought, was picking any horse. You know me, Steph. I'm, uh, I tend to shy away. Um, but you chose a very exotic 
power play in the Wellington in the NPC final. You chose Wellington to win one to twelve, and Asafa Omoa to score first, second, or third to be first, second, or third try scorer. Luck I tick and go from Omoa. TJ Pettin out of centre back and Peter Luckey puts it into the stands. What a year 2022 has been for the Wellington Lions. They've done the double. They've done the double. And they've done the power play, Steph. $11. Show me the money. Oh. I suffer with the third try. That is fantastic. <laughs> $11. Then we, then we go to Keza, who took the UFC, and he was very confident with this pick, Steph. I very couldn't believe confident. how confident he was. PDR versus, no, what's Yeah, Sean O'Malley versus PDR, and all the bookies had um, PDR. Hot favourite. Hot, hot, I'm not, hot, hot favourite. Two horse race. It was $1.33.30. Yeah, and uh, controversial finish. For the winner, by split decision, Sugar! Let's go. So they're the three. 10K on the line. Which brings us to the final tip of the uh, Show Me the Money this week, Steph. Supplied um, by. Supplied by me. Yep. And look, I just want to take this time to. Um, formally apologise to yourself, Karen, uh, the SCNZ population afternoons, of course, in our caller on Friday for showing me the money. Um, not only am I embarrassed, I'm ashamed. I've tarnished the name of uh, my family, mm-hmm. myself, and uh, everything that is well and good in this world. Um, I took Nel- Nelson Asafa Solomona to score a try in the Kiwis' near 70-point drubbing of Jamaica. Um, and he came close two or three times. One time I hit him in the head. Overlap out wide, hit him in the head. And uh, I'm not even going to play the audio. I'm just going to come out clean and say, uh, show me the money was unsuccessful this week. And I would also, uh, staff, like to tender my resignation. Um, <laughs> not, to the, not to the show, as uh, some of you might have been hoping, but to show me the money, I am going to take a one-month hiatus just to reflect on what should have been a $10,000 return. Um, did I get a little bit greedy? Maybe. Maybe I did. Yours was short. But everyone got greedy as well, I thought. Um, and I just, I watched that game sweating because I just knew that if it came in, we were there. And it was the last leg. Well, I think O'Malley was like an hour later, but I knew that this one had to be the one that came in because it was the question mark one for me. I mean, like I said, we nearly scored 70 points. I thought Nelson was going to crash over. He didn't. And um, yeah, you, you will not be hearing from me on a Friday, uh, oh sorry, on a Thursday at about uh, 3.40 for the next four weeks. So Cheers. Show me the money, you'll just take the calls. We'll, f- we'll figure something out. Push we'll the effects. I just need a break. Should we get a, a step away. Should we get a guest selector from the office each week? Maybe. Maybe we do that. Two callers. Mm. I don't know. We'll work it out. We'll yeah. work it out. But I hope, you, I hope there's a bit of forgiveness out there. I don't know that there should be. Okay. Well, in that case, I do resign from the show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Hey, look, what do we always say, Steph? What do we always say? There's always next week. We go again. (laughs) We go again on Thursday, myself excluded. That was so close, though, Sammy. Oh, and, like, you don't understand. Like I said, I was sweating. When Nelson, there was a pass out wide. I think he had Wittini's Lesniak on his right hand side or someone was on the edge, and it hit him in the head. That was when he had first come on the field. Then there was another one where he pushed for the line. It was the second carry of the set. We were inside the 10 metres. He pushed for the line, got really close, and had about three guys holding him back. And I thought if he had just been able to get an arm free, you know, it would have been. And, oh, and me and Kez even had five bucks on the bet too. It was going to give us two grand. 
Yeah, I know. Which would have been a great And you know, the interesting thing was, if it had come in, Mm. that would have put us in profit Mm. for four years. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say we don't, we don't, you know. 200 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other, before we sign off from that, potentially the biggest odds I'll ever get and be successful. Let's have a break. I think we're talking to Australia. No, we're not. I can see Jimmy Smith's mouth moving. Yeah. There it is. Hello, Staffy. Sorry, mate. I was just going through the scoreboard from um, <laughs> just just on my phone here, just looking at the score. 111. I hadn't caught up with... Oh, no. New Zealand beat Australia in game one of the World Cup. T20. There's been so much sport on, I hadn't caught up, Jimmy. Did you? Had, you hadn't seen that? No. Yeah. You know what? I've already been explaining to the listeners here in the afternoons just how difficult this cross was going to be. Dave uh, Warner, how did he go oh, out? How did he go no, out? I tell, tell you how David Warner got out. Mm-hmm. Dave Warner got out to a method of dismissal that you will never see again if you watched a million games of cricket. <laughs> did he, how did he get out? It came off. The, he. It was ridiculous. How unlucky can you be anyway? Yeah, uh, uh, just his bold Southie, but someone just said in my ear it was pad, bat, wicket, gone, and he laughed. And he laughed. Yeah. And someone else yeah. has asked, we had a text come in just going, I see Aaron Finch hit a six. Was it a top edge over third man? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he tried to go up and over Kane Williamson and he hit it straight to his chest. So uh, we, I'll tell you what we do over in this country, yes. Staffy, when you get to a, a tournament like the ICC T20 World Cup. And mm. we are the defending champs. Yes, too, you so. are. Uh, we, I'm trying to remember who they beat in the final. New Zealand, second oh, best right, team okay. in the world. Mm. Okay, so anyway, the point of it is this, that um, we're all then selectors. Yes, right? that's right. <laughs> On the back of one game, we have made significant changes to our 11. <laughs> um, I don't think the Australian cricket selectors will make any changes to their 11, but we've certainly... And, and you know, if you've got a guy like Steve Smith, to see him sitting on in the dugout with a singlet on... yes. Showing that he's a reserve, it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, I know. It's, and the other thing, too, is, and I'm sort of just, like, fantastic win for the Black Caps. Over, fantastic win. But the game before that, they got absolutely flogged by South Africa in a warm-up game. Thank God it was yeah. just a war. And that's, that's what T20 can do, eh? It's the perfect, like, I don't think New Zealand could play any better. No. They may. They may. But they played absolutely superbly. So Finn Allen is just a revelation. Isn't he just? Right. So I don't. I don't know. I know. Remember, uh, what's his name of the bloke who used to be the highest Martin paid Gubble. sports? Oh no! No, no. The highest paid sports person in New Zealand uh, was Steve Williams. Yes, oh, Steve Williams, the caddy. <laughs> yeah. Tiger Woods' caddy. Yeah. Finn Allen is going to. So the IPL have just signed a broadcast deal for the next five years. I think it is that basically doubled the previous deal. Oh my God! Right, so every all those ridiculous salaries that you saw last year, multiply them by two for the next IPL auction. Oh. Right, Finn Allen, in the space of sixteen deliveries, has now put himself <laughs> right like sixteen deliveries. Like if they said, Staffy, go out there and face sixteen balls, and it's like a little dry run for the IPL auction. Like you'd be just swinging from the hip, right? So, but Finn Allen oh. has scored forty-two. In, and Josh Hazelwood is one of the great bowlers over there in the IPL, mm. and he just got tonked everywhere. 
He should, you know what, for his future, for his um, financially being fiscally responsible, he should tweak a hammy and not play the rest of the tournament. His price cannot go up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You, all of a sudden, Finn, you are a depreciating asset. So we don't, we don't need you to be that. Although, although, what if against India? Oh my gosh! That's... Oh, hang on. They might be in different pools. Let's say they in a semi-final against mm. India. He scores fifty-seven. Of 21. I know. It's just like write your own ticket, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But even, okay, Glenn Phillips misses out, but then he takes this ridiculous catch. <laughs> like, He's, have you seen, uh, go onto YouTube and go, and just search Glenn Phillips catches. He does those all the time. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He, he's unbelievable. He, he okay. a freak of nature. So the boat battling to retain his position in the squad is Kane Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we've already sat down Martin Guptill, who's uh, one of our greatest white ball batsmen of all time, and Phil Allen said, <clears throat> I've got your pads and gloves for the rest of the tournament, champ. Um, but and, yeah. and, and you know what, Staffy? That's a really interesting point, right? So we've got a bloke at the top of our order named Aaron Finch, and he's been a great white ball servant for Australia. Mm. However, however, they all have a use-by date. So uh, who is the coach of the New Zealand team? Gary Stead. So Gary Stead said, I'm not afraid to make a tough decision that might be unpopular in some quarters, but I think this is what's best for our team. Thanks, Martin, but Finn's in. Mm. Okay? Aaron Finch's best mate is Andrew McDonald. Oh, dear. He's the coach of the Australian side. Oh, dear. So we were talking about it earlier with Nick Hockley as the Cricket Australia CEO and the, the way... We're not saying that Tim Payne shouldn't have been dismissed for his indiscretions, but the manner in which he was dismissed by basically a uh, an outside entity, a PR person that was advising Nick Hockley and Cricket Australia, that's weak. That's weak leadership. But strong leadership from the Australian cricket side, from a selection point of view, is Andrew McDonald saying, I know we have been friends for a lifetime. However, I'm doing what's best for the Australian cricket side. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky situation, isn't it? I didn't realise they were best mates. That makes yeah. it doubly hard. Doubly hard, and it and it and you know it makes it it's conflicting then for the Australian cricketing public, because then you start going, well, now I'm starting to lose faith not only in our opening batsmen but in the selection policies of our coach and the coaching staff. Because we went through a little bit of that as well when Ross Taylor was captain and then Mike Hesson came in as coach and he is very, very close to Brendan McCullum. And within, right. within months, Brendan McCullum was the captain and Mike Hesson was the coach. And there was a lot of that chat circulating. Fortunately, Brendan McCullum didn't lose form. But if he had yeah. off, yeah. you know, there'd be that hard conversation that Fitch and old mate would have to have. Yeah, it's sort of similar. It's it's something similar. It should be obvious for Mel Meninga and the Kangaroos, but he's got this great alignment with Queensland and Daly Cherry Evans. But to everyone, maybe south of the Tweed, we understand, well, the best combination for the Kangaroos is Cameron Munster and Nathan Cleary. Mm. Um, finally, Jimmy, uh, I need your two votes. Uh, we're down to the final two oh, in the playoff yes. of the of the uh, the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree. <laughs> Uh, say that again. That's it. Hang on, and let me. I'm going to say Sam Hewitt came up with that title. Uh, incorrect. It was I. It was oh. I. Yeah, the G W wow. Top of TV character Jamboree. Uh, <laughs> the final two matchups is Fonzie, yes. Fonzie from Happy Days versus Hawkeye from Mash. Your vote, right. please. 
Uh, Fonzie. Fonzie. And then we have Walter White from Breaking Bad versus Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Okay. Yeah. That's the Australian vote. We, uh, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just Lee Majors just running <laughs> through the desert. I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he gets through so we can play the theme music. Good so stuff. Steve, Steve Austin v Fonzie. That's a great final. That's one the promoters would be happy with. Well, they can't. They'll be pl- Whoever wins this, they'll, it could be Fonzie versus Steve Austin. It could be Walter White versus Hawker. Yeah. The, the winner of these two matches go up against each other in the next bracket. Oh, it's a great it's a great concept. We'll have to run Coach K through it. He missed it earlier. Yeah, so, sweet what's 16. The, what was the what sweet. was the title of it? <laughs> it's the GUE Topper TV character Jamboree. Right. Because we've had the good golly Miss Molly Jolly Lolly off. And, <laughs> and we've had the big Bicky Bonanza as well. Wow. Stay tuned. Well yeah, I just thought you were just a straightforward radio announcer in the afternoons over there at SEN. There's more to you, Steffi. Mate, it's the ozone layer makes us think clearer. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something. Yeah. I knew it was something. Good on you, Jimmy. Uh, good on you, mate. See you boys. Speak next week. Uh, there we go, across the ditch. Jimmy Smith. Always love it. Uh, have a break. We'll be back in the day after this. Uh, the rugby score sweepstake from the weekend. Uh, Carrie's just asked, few people have asked. Uh, I left the list at home. <laughs> I can remember that there was a winner, but I can't remember who it was, so I will announce that tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, Three-day weekend blues. On this day in 1982, David Hook scored the fastest recorded century in first-class history, 100 from just 34 balls, the 23-test uh, baggy green. Uh, 2003, Matt Rogers kicked 16 conversions as Aussie scored the biggest win ever, 142 over Namibia. Chris Latham scored for five tries. Uh, birthdays today, Mark McNulty, the Zimbabwean golfer. Deepak Patel, 64. Michael Liner, the Wallabies, first 5-8. And Ken Laban's birthday. Happy birthday, Ken. Marty Leslie's birthday as well. Uh, if you're born on this day in 1985, the number one movie was Jagged Edge and the number one song... That is AHA, that is Take On Me, and this was the Afternoons with Stabby. The run home is next, thanks Sammy, thanks Captain Kate. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.